welcome to Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. On tonight's episode, we are talking Burmese pythons and probably some retic talk and for you, Owen, we may hit on the white lips, you know, but uh, <laughs> I have I have a retick now. I'm allowed to talk about this kind of stuff. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're part of the big, big boys club now. Okay. I um, am a big Python <laughs> boy now. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's tonight, stop now. It's end of the episode. It's over now. It's, it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> tonight, we're talking with Matt Bowers, um, and he is from Peach State Pythons. Um, everybody that listens to the show with any kind of regularity knows that Burmese pythons are near and dear to my heart. Uh, they're one of my favorites. Um, and I got to tell you, I've been watching, uh, Matt's collection for, you know, I, I don't know, maybe the past year and a half or so. Um, right. and just his normal Burmese pythons are insane, dude. They're just, they're crazy how nice these things are. Can I ask you, you a can... question? Because a lot of times with guests on the show, it's like they come on because you've been talking with them because you either are about to or just bought something from no. them. No. No? <laughs> no. So I had contacted Matt, I think, last year, and I just okay. wanted a, nor- a normal berm. And right. uh, the one that he, I, I don't think he had any available. I forget how it, it went down, but like, so I was like, okay, I'm going to wait. Um, and I picked up that one male berm, but the female, you know, I just wanted a normal looking Burmese Python, but something that was really, really nice. And yeah, I, I found it. So, <laughs> I, I mean, we'll get more into it as, as we, uh, as we talk to Matt in a couple minutes, but um you know, the one thing that just stands out to me is just like, um, and I don't want to speak for him, but this is just my observation is, is like, you know, a lot of people, they get a morph and it could, right. it could be any species and, you know, they just work on reproducing that morph, especially if it's an incomplete dominant trait or something like that. Um, recessive uh, probably even takes a little longer to, to refine it. And it seems like you know, we kind of talked about the whole, you know, uh, thing where people just want it yesterday. And, you know, so yeah, there's not yeah. a whole lot of refinement that goes into this. Um, and there's a few people that stand out to do it. And, and that's one of the things that, that, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with Matt's stuff. And just like, you know, the pictures that I posted in the uh, like that last one. Yeah. <laughs> Just scroll down to the to the to the show notes and look at that very last one and tell me that thing is not insane. And for everybody, um, for everybody that's following along at the end of the episode, uh, uh, you know uh, these picks will be available on the uh, the blog. Uh, so now that my life is somewhat back to normal, um, holy hell! I can, I, you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. That's all right. Yeah. This is this is your this is your dream right here. This is giant snakes with stunning contrast. That's you're done. That's it. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. So God. I will wait for something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's I, just... yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so, 
It's amazing. Uh, so anyway, uh, before we get Matt on, we'll hit on a couple things. One, uh, I actually uh, got the Carpet Fest, the Northeast, the OG, uh, is 6-9-2018. I put it up on Facebook. The event is up. Um, so I guess, I don't know if we're going to do anything to compete with the Southeast Carpet Fest, to be honest with you. But <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going to break Ian Bissell's legs is what we're going to do. How about that? <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we're going to do an auction, uh, you know, same as usual. Uh, this year it's at my place. Um, and um, it should be cool because if everything goes according to plan, which, you know, sometimes it doesn't in this rarely ever, hobby that rarely have, ever. So okay. I should have some crazy babies uh, carpet. Oh, um, yeah, out, we were uh, we were crunching right numbers. Yeah, you yeah. doomed person, you. So, yeah, <laughs> I may have not thought about this as well. <laughs> um, you you never think that all of your females are going to go, but I guess because I took last year off, they're all like chomping at the bit. So. I you have could seventeen clutches possible. Jeez. That's a lot. You, now, now does that does that kind of make you think every once in a while that what if you just bred every other year? Like uh, honestly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, all right, let's, but like, all right, all right. Now I get it. I get it that you're not going to have babies every year, but the amount of babies you can produce in one year versus going every other year and also the amount of eggs and having your females give the year off, the longevity of the breeding animals, you know, breeding every year starts really making sense to me. And I'm like, holy crap. So, yeah, I don't know. I've had, you know, so, so far I've had four clutches that hit the ground. They're all, Poplin, aka IJ. Um, a couple of them that I'm super excited about is the double hats. Um, yeah. So that that's pretty awesome. Granite Exanix, that will be uh, spectacular. Um, yep. And um, you know, the other cool thing is that the one female was the first carpet that I ever bred, um, and I got her from Luke Snell. She's a Michael Pinnell. Um, uh, carpet and uh, she she is a 2004 and wow. she's still producing so yeah that makes me uh, that makes me happy so I have one girl going maternal but I think I might have a lot more because I don't know if I have enough room in my incubator man so oh like my God. Uh, you know, I, I think I have it mapped out to where the, the there's a few clutches that I wanted to do maternal, which is awesome. And uh, the rest will, you know, have enough space. But, you know, I got to get chop chopping on baby cages and racks and all that kind of stuff because. Hey, I got I got tons of PVC boards quick. if you're feeling. I got I got all these PVC boards if you're feeling, you know, you want to build. Uh, I may uh, have to, man. You might. <laughs> I may have to. I mean, you let me know. You know. We'll figure. You bring the truck. <laughs> you know. Yep. God. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I I got some cool stuff. It's like I knew that eventually, uh, over all these years, eventually, like those females would be of size, and it was like every year it would be like, yeah, yeah, I got two clutches, three clutches, four clutches, no clutches, right. you <laughs> know. And now, like, all these females are huge. And one of the crazy things is the one uh, pop one uh, carpet is um, 
you're not going to believe how small she is, man. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't think she was going to go. How and, many eggs? Uh, 11. So she's I want maybe like, I, want, I'm, I almost want you to compare like the largest IJ egg and the smallest IJ egg and just see if like, are we talking like same size egg or are we talking like, yeah, are her baby's going to be Jesus. That's nuts. Yeah. She's, she's really small. She's got a huge head and that's like when I posted the picture that's up, everybody's like, wow, look, look how big her head is compared to her body. And it's like, oh, I guess she's not going to get any bigger than that, you know? So like, she yeah. really hasn't put on any size. I mean, she's eaten like she's eaten without uh, any issues, but uh, you know, I'm just like, oh, well, maybe we don't need to have them as, as big as, you know, they need. Oh, to be. I would, That's I, okay. I would agree. I mean, like, well, and here's the thing is that this year uh, I held back my caramel head exotic female because uh, I wanted to give her one more year. And wouldn't you freaking know it, like, now she's got that, like, uh, in the span of the past two months, she's got the mature head. She's got the body look. And I'm like, oh, oh, you are going to, you are ready to roll next year. I can't wait for you to go. So it's like, sometimes it's like I probably could have bred her this year if I wanted wanted to. So sometimes they just kind of surprise you. Yeah, I, um... I uh, I, w- I was doing um, lineage and stuff uh, tonight, um, like yeah. just starting to get that together. And uh, the first one, which is maternal incubation, I can track everything back to the wild caught animals, which is pretty awesome. That's insane. You know? Yeah, that's, that's pretty great. cool. You know, so uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like it's going to be a pretty cool season. You know. Um, We'll see. It's a good, we'll th- see it's what a good thing I'm not coming to. Uh, it's a good thing I probably won't come to October Tinley. You're going to need the whole table. Yeah, I, you know that was another thing I was thinking about. Like, holy shit, you know. Uh, <laughs> so no worries. I'll sell some carpets. Give me some money to buy some berms. You know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> Perfect. So, um, yeah. So uh, what's going on with you, man? Uh, we got. I'm not sure if I was able to because, like, first off, I'm back. Uh, we let Rob take, uh, my spot, which, uh, he thinks I don't, I don't listen to the show and I at least listen to the first 10 minutes. So <laughs> Rob Stone, oh, um, what did, he, so, what did he, did he say something smart? He, I can't remember. He, oh yeah. He, he said something about, he's like, well, let's see if I could book a, a show faster than OMAC. And then you laughed and he said, all right, he doesn't listen. So, you know, oh, I gotcha. did. <laughs> so, like, uh, but <clears throat> but uh yeah so i'm not sure if i commented but i ended up getting or if i said it on air but i ended up getting mangrove monitor eggs uh from the mangroves oh, cool. that are living in my living room and it's one of those like it, uh constantly being told by andrew that don't worry they're not set up to breed they're not gonna breed they're not gonna breed it's okay you and I'm, like, right, man, yeah. you. and I'm like, and I'm, and I'm literally, and this is the thing. It's like, I'm, I'm in a button down like shirt, which most of my button downs are not white, but I'm wearing a white one that, that day and cash. Uh-huh. And I'm, like, I'm about to walk out the door to go to work. And I turn around and I see like just sitting out there in the open an egg. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, you know, that's just, no, 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 no. Yeah. So I have to, I have to go get them because you can't just leave the egg. This isn't like a python cage where she's like, oh yeah, go, uh, they'll be here when you get back. It's like, 
So I had to go through. Now, there are three animals in the cage. I had to figure out where everybody was. I had to, I found all three eggs, and I pulled them out, and I set them up in the incubator, which luckily they incubate at Python egg temperatures. So that was okay. Right. Set them all up. And then, uh, you know, I've got, like, dirt all over my friggin' sleeves, which is fan-friggin-tastic. So I had to kind of... After work, I, I came home, I secured all three animals, and then I really dug down in the cage. Uh, I found a shell, so I think maybe one of them might have eaten the egg, uh, an egg. But So we got three mangrove monitor eggs, which I am kind of shocked about, but it's kind of cool because cool. The, male, the male in the group is actually one of the mangroves that I hatched for Andrew a couple years ago. So it's like almost setting up a captive breeding population kind of deal. So it's cool to kind of have the thing go full circle. So no carpet eggs, but lizards. (laughs) Well, eggs are eggs, man. Unless, you know. Yeah, it's true. So, and then, uh, like I talked to you, we're gearing up because I'm heading out to uh, Tinley Park this weekend. So I'll be out there for the March show. Cool. Yep. I wish I could go, but. I can't. So I, I know. will stay here and you will uh represent NPR out there and well, that's unfortunate. So <laughs> <laughs> that is that is yeah. bad. <laughs> so well, I hope we have nice. a podcast when nice. I return. I'm always <laughs> nice. Yeah, just apparently. Nice. So uh, uh but anyway, um enough of us jabbing. Uh let's 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 do this. Let's get Matt on here and get this going. So, all right, click along. Hey, Matt, welcome to Morelia Python Radio. How you doing? Doing good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for the kind words, too. That's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Killer, killer, <laughs> killer berms you have. Oh, my goodness. Probably the best that I've Appreciate seen. That. Um, and I love berms, and they're <laughs> just phenomenal. So, <laughs> Owen will tell hey, you. Eric. It, you you, you yep. get me, man. You get me. I, mean, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you two understand each other, so that's, that's just right. one of those, you know. Yeah. A lot of synergy so, right now. Exactly. So, Matt, why don't you tell us, you know, how, how you got into reptiles? What, what got you your start? Okay. Uh, great question. So, growing up, um, my dad was in the military, and so this started pretty young. Uh, we lived in Alaska when I was five years old to nine years old and okay. growing up my thing was was dinosaurs i thought dinosaurs were cool you know that kind of translates into a little bit of the reptiles when, when i was nine my dad got um, shipped down to georgia and i ended up here and you know i've always liked the reptiles and the dinosaurs in case i'm nine i'm not so much into the dinosaurs anymore but you go outside and there's lizards running on your house you know the green and old mm. you can go turn over some rocks and some logs and you find snakes and, and, and frogs and all kinds of stuff and so it just kind of blew in from there and luckily my parents were uh i don't know supportive is the word but uh maybe allowing so i could you know I'd walk in with a snake like look what i found they'd kind of roll their eyes and say, all right i guess let's get it a cage and so i just kind of grew up catching snakes and keeping them we keep them for a couple months and let them go and go catch another. Um, I remember when I first moved to Georgia, I was like, hey, you know, there's this pond down the way, and uh, we walked down there, and, you know, you can see turtles, and I just lost my mind. Like, there's like 20 of them. Um, so just I think just that going from, like, no reptiles in Alaska so I can just go out in my front yard and just go look for some, 
And I just kind of always kept them, you know, went through high school, had a couple in college, and then it just, uh, you know, once you get out and have your own place, you can kind of go a little nuts with it. That's where I'm at now. <laughs> awesome. So <laughs> what what led you to the big snakes, and how did, like, how did the snake thing start? Okay. Uh, yeah, so it's almost not so much uh, the big snakes as – Okay. It was the berms, which subsequently are big snakes. But uh, really how it ended up is uh, I was always going to, you know, the Repticons. And um, when I would go, let's say 2002, 2005, that time, you'd go and you'd have an expectation of what you want to see. And then be, you might see it and there'd be that pressure, like, oh, do I get it? Do I not get it? And that excitement, kind of miss that. So when you roll into like the, let's say the 2012, 2014, whatever, when you can start shipping them, um, it's not as exciting. You go to Repticon and say, that's neat. Go home, research it, pick you one out. So anyways, there's a Repticon, and I had really loved Burmese myself, uh, normal Burmese, wild type. Uh, I thought they are beautiful animals. I liked them better than any morph. And I said, you know what, and this is, I also have to add, this was around the Lacey Act. So you couldn't ship. Um, so you couldn't go pick you out a berm. You're kind of at the mercy of whatever you find. And uh, just so happened at that uh, Repticon, there was, a, there was a berm. Uh, it was a male normal. Uh, seven feet roughly, and uh, got it out, and it was just so laid back and so chill, and it was just it was probably one of the prettiest ones I've seen in a long time. Um, so I took it home, and it was just again just the most laid back snake. And so I was like, man, these berms are neat. What else is out there? Then I stumbled upon a hypo, um, and then <laughs> so researched and networked real hard, and, and I found one in Georgia and just chased it down. It was sold. Uh, but then that fell through, so I ended up getting it, and um, the person I got it from also had a female albino, and I was like, well, what kind of BOGO can you do? And um, so we worked out a deal, so I ended up with like a male normal, a male hypo, and, and there weren't any to my recollection in Georgia. I mean, there might have been two. Um, so okay. I had one of two hypos in Georgia, um, and then I had picked up that female, and, and so now i got to justify why I have these three random snakes, and so I was like, I can breed these. And then so people are like, man, why do you have four or five snakes? Why do you have six snakes? And it's like, oh, I breed them. And all of a sudden, like their guard just goes down, and they're like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you're a breeder. So it somehow <laughs> justified having all these snakes by saying I breed them. And then it just became a berm mission. So so every – the hypo, the albino, they all acted just like the, the normal. They were just calm, laid back, the sweetest things. And so I just went on a mission of just – a mix between networking and stalking, finding anybody who had some berms in Georgia and just, you know, let them know who I am. And if they're ever in a position where they might need to get rid of them, maybe I could help them out. And just through that, I started accumulating more and more and got to be a little selective on what I was getting. And before you know it, you know, I, I got a bunch of berms. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So what's the collection look like now where it stands about how many animals and what are you working with, just berms, or do you have some other stuff too? Okay, uh, good question. So I actually was just had my inspection uh, from the Department of Agriculture, so I really, really try to avoid counting snakes. Um, I don't want to know how many I have. <laughs> Smart. Sure you yeah, guys are familiar yeah. with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am so, uh, recently. Yeah, so I had two counts. So I've got 64 uh, various species. Um, it's, it's almost not majority berms. It probably is mostly berms. Um, that is, you know, where I really get excited about and, and, and really fires me up, but I've got the retics. So I have a, a few retics as well. 
Um, starting to work with those. Um, not doing an amazing job of it, but I have them, and they're a lot of fun. Um, I do have a good bit of ball pythons, too. Um, the variety of uh, genetics that they offer um, are good, but, you know, I, they don't excite me like the, the bigger snakes do. Then I got some random stuff in there. You know, I got an anaconda and uh, have the white <laughs> lip, I think we mentioned. Um, I got a nice. couple milk snakes and rat snakes. Um, so a little, little here and there just, just for the fun of it. That's awesome. Sir. Uh, were you ever – I don't know where the hell he is, but oh, uh, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> yeah, all right. No, what were you going to ask? Go ahead, Owen. I was just thinking, like, I don't know if we get – I bet you we get further down to it. So I might I'll, – I'll hold that question for later, and then if we Write don't get down. to it, I will bring it back out. So, there you go. Yeah. All right. All yes. right, so – Let's let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's talk about how you're keeping yeah. these guys, you know, uh, caging and heating and feeding and all the good stuff, man. Okay, yeah, that's, that's great because one of the things that I get a lot, um, people hear about the berms and start to learn about the berms and interested in them is, man, you know, especially with the the ball python people I network with, you know, I'd love to have them, but they just get so big. And how big do they get? And and what caging? Will I need to upgrade and all that? So it's a great great topic to cover. Uh, so right out that the hatchlings. I'll start there and kind of progress you guys up so you get an idea of, of, of where we're going with it. Uh, sure. Really, for the hatchlings, I like uh, the V18, uh, the Vision, uh, the 18s. Uh, if you're not familiar with those are, um, 18 deep, the V18, and then they are, um, what are they, 7 wide? So 18 deep, 7 wide, and only like 3.5 tall. Um, right. So that in and of itself is the hide. Um, they're comfortable in there. They fit good in there, and this is – you know, you could take the hatchlings out of the egg and put them in a hatchling uh, tub, the six-quart. They do fine in there for a little bit. Uh, just like the V18 um, because they can grow out. So what you're expecting for your berm to grow, uh, the ones I hatched uh, late June, early July, so these are, what, nine-month-old snakes, are still in V18 with plenty of room. So I've okay. got, you know, eight, nine, ten-month-old snakes in a V18. Um, well, I just bumped those up to medium rats. So once you pick up the food a little bit, they're going to get a little growth spur, and you'll have to bump them up to, uh, I don't know, 28, 32 quart. I had some of my uh, little over a year, getting close to a year and a half, uh, berms in the uh, 32 quart, and then they'll hit another little growth spurt. Um, got one, uh, almost a two-year-old in a V70 right now. So once they hit about that two-year mark, you're going to need to get them a little something bigger. So I uh, just do the PVC cages, whatever you like. Um, as far as sizing, it's always tough to gauge. You kind of want to uh, guess where your berm's going to go um, size-wise. Um, I've right. got some males uh, that are four or five years old that are hanging in that seven-foot range, uh, but I've also seen other people with males that are 10-foot, 12-foot. So um, none of my berms are real monstrous, and I don't know if it's just the way I feed them or if it's the bloodlines that are around the southeast. I can't really put my finger on it, but I don't really have any big ones. I only have one maybe two that's in the double digits. But uh, the rule of thumb I go by, um, it's just easy math, and it works out 95% of the time, is square foot of cage per length of snake. So let's say a four by two would hold an eight-foot snake, up to an eight-foot snake. When you do have an eight-foot snake, you might be pushing the boundaries a little bit and have to upgrade, but that's just a decent rule of thumb. So uh, mine, my adults are in a five by 30, five foot by 30 inches, and I have other ones in a six foot by 30. Okay. Um, so, you know, a six, six foot by 30, will hold a 15 foot snake. And 
like I said, I have one that may be 12 foot, one that may be 10. The rest are like 9 foot. Uh, so they have plenty of room in those. Uh, as far as heating, um, some of them have the heat tape, and then some have the radiant heat panels. It's just kind of the way the cages came. Don't necessarily have a preference. Uh, as far as heating temps, uh, kind of a zen. Um, I temp gun the snakes. And keep in uh-huh. mind, we've got, let's say, six, the six-foot cage, so the snake's going to move back and forth. I want my snakes at an 84 to 88 range. And, you know, you just kind of gauge. If you've got a stack of cages, if they're all crammed to the cool side, you're probably too hot. If they're all crammed right. on the warm side, then they're probably, you're probably not warm enough. So they should be staggered, moving back and forth. But I always tempt on the snake. And if they're, you know, 84 on the cool side, they're good. If they're 82 on the cool side, they're good because they have opportunity to move over. But I like those snakes. You know, 86 is like prime time. When they're, when they're eating good, they're growing good, they're shedding good. Um, so somewhere in that range is kind of where I keep the temps. Um, and then, you know, you're going to vary whether, you know, the size of the cage. So the V18, you're going to adjust your stat, you know, to where you're still holding that 86-degree temp for your snake, um, but the temp may not be set as high. And then where I have my snake room, the snakes are uh, – the, the room itself is 80 degrees. So that's kind of my ambient. Okay. Um yeah, I think yes about feeding as well. Moving right along. Um, so the adults, uh, which most people most people ask, what do you feed them? How often do you feed? So what I do with mine, um, so I'm doing either five XL guinea pigs or uh, two to four pound rabbits, <laughs> and I kind of go back and forth. Um, and then I'm feeding every other week. So <clears throat> what I do is I feed kind of split them in half. And you feed half one week, half the other. That way you're cleaning half the cages one week and half the other so you're not overwhelming yourself. But that's it. So it's every other week. Um, if I feel I want to put some more weight on it, I tend to go towards the guinea pigs, so a little fattier. If my snake's looking good and healthy and the right thickness, then I'll throw in the rabbits. Um, sometimes I have to pull off the feeding and go to every third week, even once a month when I start thinking they're a little, little thicker than I'd like. Um, the babies, like two years and under, I'm feeding every week to get them up to size. That's pretty much it. It's pretty basic stuff. It's, it's, it's not uh, maybe to some people might be overwhelming, the two- to four-pound rabbit. Um, but, again, it's every other week, so it's, it's, it's not tremendous. Right. What's, what's your – I'm just curious. What's the time frame that it takes you to clean <laughs> those, uh, all that? <laughs> good yeah. question. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, – so with the big snakes, ah oh man, I, I don't have a one, two, that's six. I have about 20, 20 to right. 25 that are adults, uh, including the retics. And, again, you're doing half and half, and hopefully a couple are in shed for you so they get the week off. But uh, it, it's not too bad. I do it every morning because it's uh-huh. very manageable. I don't have a clean right. day because that gets a little overwhelming. So every morning I go down, and whoever needs to be clean gets clean. So I spend – you know, 30 minutes would be average, and and if they all line up and do it all in one day and get me, which happens every now and then, that might take me about an hour. <laughs> it's not too bad. Quality okay. time with them. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so with your heat, do you drop it at night at all, or do you leave all your tents the same? Yeah, okay. good question. So I, I keep it the same. Um, I, I never really adjust it. Um, they are in the basement, and so I do get, uh, you know, a little – fluctuation with, with the seasons and with the weather outside. And I find uh-huh. that to be enough, um, you know, especially when you come into the breeding season. I think we'll get into that later, but they tend to breed in, in the colder months. But So I do get a little bit of that fluctuation. So you do get a little bit of that natural. 
Um, so like I have a heater down there, so that's what I'm keeping it at 80, but I'll, you know, I'll have to turn that heater off. And in the summer, you know, it might be 84 down there, 85. And actually that, I saw AC down there too, that I crank on just when I'm down there cleaning so I can okay. you know, be comfortable. But yeah, so I'm not really fluctuating the temps at all. Okay. And, you know, I know that, uh, even if it's some specific morphs, uh, tend to have respiratory issues when it comes to berms, but, um, do you find that in the winter when you're using like your, you know, like a dry heat, do you do anything for humidity to try to combat that? Do you have any issues with that or what's your, yeah, it's a good question. So I I get that come up a lot and, um, respiratory will pop up in the seasons. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually had two that got it, uh, this year, Georgia got like unreasonably cold for Georgia. We had, we're down in the teens for like uh, you know a week and a half, and then we had we had a foot of snow, and I, that's like more snow cumulatively in the last wow. five years. So it was cold this year, yeah. <laughs> so so that'll hit from time to time. Uh, I got a I have the quarantine room upstairs where I keep it real warm and real humid. So as soon as I see uh-huh. it, I just move them up here. Um, but so so for the humidity, uh, I, I missed in the in the morning and in the evening. Okay. And uh, just kind of go from there, and as, and I and I honestly use the uh, the sheds as my gauge. As long uh-huh. as I'm hitting full sheds, um, then I feel comfortable with it. But I do, uh, I do miss, uh, you know, all the cages every morning and in the evening. Is it the cage that you're spraying or the actual snake? All the above. Yeah, open it up. All the above. Okay. Just yeah. Oh, okay. Just get a got nice. good mist all over it, and I use uh, I use paper, so the paper does uh, it will eventually dry out. So I get it nice and wet, and uh, okay. it seems to do the trick. Nice. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so. You know, I've heard a lot of people that talk about like talking with various python breeders uh for the past 6 years on this show. One of the things that always pops up is ventilation when it comes to respiratories. Have you do you provide good ventilation? Is that something that you even have you thought about that? I I haven't even thought about that. I don't know what unit of okay. measure would be good ventilation. It's pretty right. decently vented down there, I guess. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> um, wow. So you're, you're feeding five guinea pigs that are shot, huh? Wow. Holy oh, hell. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That was five XL is the size. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. Five yeah, XL is the size. That's not five better. Time. There we go. <laughs> well, that not not much better. Right that is a very large guinea pig. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. They'll be a pound and a half to two pounds. Jeez. So mm-hmm. do you find, I, I mean, I guess we could talk about this when we're talking about breeding and stuff, but like for, for babies and when they're, when they're hatching out, are they, I don't even know. I mean, my experience has been, they've always been great eaters, but are they difficult to get going? Yeah. So they are, they're kind of hit really? or miss. Um, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's, so what I do, uh, so you're either going to have them that are just ready to roll and eat like crazy or you're going to have uh-huh. them to where they're just a pain in the butt. Um, right. So what I what I generally do, uh, so I always start, so when I first started breeding, I'd go with the, the rat pinky. But I didn't get a lot of results with it. It doesn't move around a lot. And I don't know, just, just a lot of more eating. So then I just tried mouse hoppers because they move around. Okay. They got, they got the, the fur. And that just seemed to stimulate a lot better. So now, so first meal is always, first couple of meals are always going to be mouse hopper. Um, then I'll go to a mouse. Now, if I have okay. a difficult eater, what I've found, and it, it's, it's insane how 
good it works and how like much of a no-brainer it is and the instantaneous reaction. So you'll have a snake. So I don't go right to this. So I'll do mouse hopper for a couple weeks until I'm like, all right, this thing needs to eat. Frozen thawed chicks. You'll have a snake <laughs> that you have offered rat pinkies, mouse hoppers, mice, you know, for, for weeks. And then you, you, you dangle a, a, a frozen thawed chick, and the thing just nails it. I've never had them not eat a frozen thawed chick. And so okay. uh, we just roll with that. Yeah, get them, get them fed, get, it, get them uh, stabilized. And, and what's weird is one day, one day they will just they'll, they'll eat a rat. And it, and it may take huh. them a minute, but just one day, it's, it's just the weirdest thing. And I, that one, uh, Eric, that, that, that normal that you like was a chick eater yes. until two weeks ago. And I, and, I mean, it wasn't even like I had to <laughs> talk him into it or coax him. I mean, I just put a rat, and he nailed it. He's been a rat eater ever since. So, okay. um, yeah, so the babies, they actually are. So I've, I've done the ball pythons, um, and, and you might have one random one who doesn't eat well, and you, you do a little assist feed, and he catches on. Um, but with mm-hmm. the berms, you know, I had – oh, man, I had – my first clutch last year was 34 berms. And, Jesus. Uh, yeah, 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 it was, it was good times. And then um, – Four, so three weeks into it, there was a Repticon, uh, four weeks into it. So I was only taking ones that ate three, three meals. I took four snakes to Repticon out of 34. And I would say half had not had a meal yet. And so it, they, they can be real picky. Wow. And you put a, okay. put a chick in front of them, wow. and they go nuts. Game on. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that's a good little tip to know. Um, yeah. So – you know, let's talk a little bit about like what I was saying in the beginning, um, like just your normal berms are just crazy. Yeah. And I was reading through your, your post and all, and, um, it, you know, one of the things you were talking about is thinking outside the berm box, like maybe mm-hmm. you can go into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's good. I'm glad you picked up on that. That's uh, kind of tongue in cheek, uh, a little jab. Um, right. I have to say, so when you, when you started off, uh, you know, introducing me, uh, you basically, you, you grab a hold of my vision and, and you totally get it and exactly where I'm trying to go with this and, and what I'm trying to do. So, um, you know, you talk about people have a gene or morph and they just want to, they want to make that. And right. I see mm-hmm. a lot of that in the berm world. Um, mm-hmm. They find a combo and I, and I always pick on albino granites. I love albino granites, but I'll, it just seems like people are like, you know, I've got this albino that's het granite and I need a granite head albino. You know, they're just trying to make these combos, um, and which is good. And there's a lot of nice combos out there, but we have to keep in mind we're only working with six genes here. That's all we got. Uh, right. So really, you know, and I think what we have on here to get into a little bit of the leopard stuff. So kind of where the berm box came from is, you know, I, I, there's the, the leopard, which is, is a term coined, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that. But it, it, it's very quickly shot down as, as just het green, and it's nothing. And uh, – you know, I produced, you know, that one that uh, you had mentioned, Eric. I mean, that came from the leopard clutch. Um, I've got a hypo leopard, and it definitely manipulates the pattern. And so the burn box is kind of – I don't know who set these rules um, or these boundaries, <laughs> this box, so these confinements, but it's like why can't we take these oddly patterned snakes and right. see what we can do with it? Why can't I take this leopard uh, right. or whatever we want to call it, reduced pattern snake, and, and try to work that into – some granites and make a really reduced pattern granite or uh you know why can't we what i really would love to do and i'm working on is take that leopard and work it into labyrinth and get a really reduced pattern labyrinth so it's just 
you know, it's, it seems like as soon as somebody gets on a Facebook, uh, you know, group and a berm group and it's like, hey, you know, what's this leopard thing? Like so many people just chime in, you know, it's just tech green. And it's like, why? Why can't it be something else? Why can't we work with it? Uh, almost take a play out of the, the ball python, you know. These guys sure. are always coming up. There's like five genes that are fire, you know, fire, soft, sulfur. You know, they're all right. kind of the same, but they all do something a little different. And it, it, as maybe – odd as it may be you're frustrating somebody learning the genes at the same time what they're doing is they're pushing the envelope and they're they're challenging each other and, and what can I come up with and how can I come up with the next best thing and how how far can I push this you know and, and another good example with the ball pythons would be I don't discuss know about the yellow belly gene it's a very mundane gene it's, it's hard to pick out there's YouTube sure. videos on how to identify it but you take that yellow belly and you throw it into pied and it's the pumpkin pied and it just takes it up 10 notches it's this huge enhancer so why we have this burn box where, where we just make combos? What if we took uh, a leopard or, or some other type of enhancer gene, you know, whatever's going on with my light hypo, and, and start mm. plugging it in elsewhere? Why don't I take Beanie, who's a, who's a huge breeder in Louisiana, great guy, why don't I take his bloodline and work it into mine? And, and uh, Chris Wieso out, uh, he's Apex Snakes. You know, he's got, he grabbed one of the leopards, and he sent me um, one of his granites. So what if we, you know, work with these other bloodlines, and instead of just making these combos, see what odd stuff we can pop out and so you know my one of my visions is just i want to make normals but just the most crazy insane odd <laughs> normals there's nothing normal about these normals and so that's kind of <laughs> yeah. where i'm going with outside the burn box right but thank I like you. That. it was definitely tongue, definitely tongue-in-cheek it was definitely kind of a uh, joke and sarcastic but there's some seriousness behind it yeah i kind of figured as much but like you know i, I yeah. mean I, i'm with you i i agree like I think that uh, it's not just in the berm world. It's 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 in a lot of worlds where people yeah. just they have no vision of like you know exactly. no, just like oh well I'm just gonna do this and I'm happy with that like no man, right. take it you up know, to the next and level. I, <laughs> and I've always been you know some people see a combo and they'll say man I want to make that and I've always kind of been the guy's like man what can I make with that? I'm yeah, not right. stopping there. Not trying to recreate that. Let me grab what's great about that and throw it into something else. It, it kind of seems like everybody's satisfied with just the combo. They're like, right. "It, this is it. These are my granites, and that's the best I can get rather than trying to enhance it or make right. it better. Hey, yeah, I mean, don't... What's that? Ahead. No, 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 no. Go, go ahead, ahead Eric. No, 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 go ahead. You know, even with, with me, like, one of my things, I, I really want to work with the granite gene, but I want to try yeah. about as hard as I can to not make a granite. Just right. take what granite can do, because with the berms, luckily, you know, a lot of the hets can be expressed pretty strongly. So uh-huh. let's take that. I don't want a granite. I want to use granite, but I don't want to see a granite. I just want the granite to influence the pattern of, of whatever I'm producing. Yeah, about uh, well, man, this was back in the early 2000s. I had about oh man, I don't know, 15 berms at the time, and one was a het granite. Oh, right. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Oh my right, god, exactly. That uh-huh. was so badass. And I walked right. up in the show, and I just was like, what is that? And it's like, oh, it's a head mm-hmm. granite. And I'm just like, who cares about granite? That thing is yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm with you. On the same page here, man. Yeah. So so is that all we need to know about the leopard gene? Basically, uh, you know, is there oh, anything I mean, else? No, I mean, we can dive, no, we can dive into that. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah we, we should probably touch on that a little more. Um, so leopard is – 
Uh, basically, it, it was a term coined to describe these really reduced pattern snakes. Um, you on our on our little outline, you have a picture of uh, the mom and the baby, and it, it definitely looks different. And it's it was always been my favorite is this these, these really reduced pattern. And so, um, leopard is just kind of a term. You know, how do you call it? You know, instead of just saying, "Hey, I want one of those reduced pattern ones," let's call it leopard. And I don't know who came up with it, and it's been around for a while, but at some point along the line, somebody tried to work with it and didn't have optimal results. And so it kind of came about as leopard is, is this, this really important word. It's a, it's a small and significant word, but when applied to this statement, it, it means a lot, but just tech green. And so mm. my problem with that is the just, right? So I, I yeah. years ago I produced from an albino, albino green, and so everything that wasn't visual green was het green. And you couldn't pick them out as het green. They looked standard. Uh, they looked normal. Uh-huh. Um, but they were all 100% het green. So the leopard can't be just het green because it's throw-in, just, just really reduced pattern and consistently. So, so the female that I have produced some very, you know, very similar-looking snakes to her. The hypo I have that I held back is, is this crazy circular pattern. So it can't be just het green. Now, I'm going to not go, I'm gonna go ahead and not call it necessarily a gene. I don't know what it is. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, it almost works if you're familiar with with hog nose. It it almost acts like like the anaconda gene in the hog nose. You have the conda okay. and then the soup then the superconda, which would be right. You know, and that may be what what um uh, the green is in, in berms. Um, so they're saying green's recessive. Well, you know, with the leopard in, into the green, it, it almost acts like a codominant. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. It's it's big controversy, and it's one of those things where. Again, somebody will say, you know, they'll Google. If you Google leopard, berm, some crazy pretty snakes show up. And so people will say, well, what's leopard? And then people are real quick to shoot it down. Um, and, and I would argue what, what I did and, and what I did with my female was, was kind of prove it out as, as breedable and predictable. Um, what mm-hmm. that means, uh, you know, maybe it's just a line bred trait. Um, maybe it is just the, the head green. Uh, Tom Reagan has a, a really neat theory that it's not so much the leopard or the head green that's doing it more. So just the, the wild type, that bloodline of snake allows heads to show up more, which would be a really right. cool concept. Cause that means we could take the granites and make what some people call the jigsaw, which is probably like what you had the head granite, which is the broken up crazy looking pattern, but it's yeah. not a granite. So that would right. be even cooler than, than leopard being a thing is this certain bloodline allowing the influence uh so hopefully he's right on that but it's just yeah so it's really neat so you know i got apex snakes at, at uh chris we at apex snakes he got one so he's going to be working with it um there's a couple other people i think who had them i didn't produce a ton that and i kept and i hoarded everyone that was real strong uh for my own well-being but i've got some males that'll be ready next year that we can work with um but yeah so that would be what the leopard is um again it, I, I recreated it so take that what you will um, but mm. my main deal is not just het green if we can see it so clearly. Yeah, that small one almost has like an exanic type of look to it. Is that man. normal? For yeah. Uh, uh, no, no. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know what's <laughs> going on there. Um, so that pairing, um, again, and, and going back to what I said about Tom, Tom's theory that maybe that bloodline, so whatever this my, my female leopard is, Maybe all her bloodline allows all these other things to show up. Um, but the, the male was uh, – I keep calling it because I don't know what to call it. It's a super megalite hypo. Um, it, it's 
dramatically and just insanely lighter than, than any other hike I've ever seen. And uh, when I first saw it, it was just glowing. I mean, the thing's like neon. It's like it, it's it's like radioactive looking. And uh, so a bunch of these different colored snakes started popping out. And I and I've got I've got a hypo I held back that looked just like the dad. Um, and then there's a few more of those real light ones that, that are floating around out there. Um, mm-hmm. And that that normal that you you discussed at the beginning, you know, that one's really light. So I don't know. Yeah, it does look, almost look exanthic. So yeah, to yes, you are right. I don't I don't think it is, but but it's something. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So is the is the one that's in your hand that picture that's in your hand that light berm that's from the same same thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. And so. All right, so the good thing about that, I, I don't know, and this comes back to burn box, you know, so one thing that, that has been said about the hypos is they're easily influenced by the by the hets, and it's more it's easier to see the hets, okay? Um, this, this snake that I have, um, I've got it in, in, in the cages now, so there's a, there's a hypo below it, and you got this neon thing, whatever it is, and then a hypo above it, and just when you look at it, it's so dramatically different. Um, is that light something that can be pulled out and it's not just associated with the hypo it's just we see it more in the hypo so right. I, I don't know so i've got yeah. him going to um he's going to an albino albino green and so i'm waiting on her post ovulation shed she's like three days behind so i should get that so that should put us at you know her hopefully having a, a nice strong clutch in 30 days um and then i've got he went to a normal looking hypo as well um so waiting on her to lay and then um I've done like a Hail Mary last-minute pairing where he's going to a normal. So hopefully uh-huh. I'll get an opportunity to see him with different females and see if we can recreate that light, and hopefully not just in the hypos, but hopefully we can see that lightness in, in other normals. Um, gotcha. But I don't know. You got okay. me on that, man. Here's a off-the-wall question. Is there a lot of different bloodlines out there of of uh, of berms? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, you know, especially if you're getting into, it's like a lot of people don't call them certain bloodlines, like you might in, in other um, species. Um, working on that, um, I think that'd mm-hmm. be good for um, tracking, you know, especially like working with the leopard. You know, this came from the you know Peach State leopard or whatever would be would be nice right. for future breedings, not just because I want my name stepped on something, but so I could see what other people could do with it. But uh, with the sure. caramels, so there's <laughs> at least two, if not a third. And I've heard rumors of a fourth line of caramel, and, and they're not compatible. So let, let's say there's at least two. Right. So there are definitely bloodlines out there because there's the uh, Waterview, which is the guy uh, overseas who has all the scaleless and the pies and all that. So he's got a line, um, and then there's um, a Gulf Coast line, um, and there might be a third line. <clears throat> so there are definitely lines, but the only time they're really mentioned is with the uh, T, T positives because they're not compatible. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right. I know, like, yeah, just in, like, you know, just thinking of different, I guess more with carpet pythons, it's all about, you know, bloodlines and this and that because it's, you know, the mm-hmm. subspecies and stuff like that. And I'm just curious if it translated into berms because they were imported for a long time pretty heavily, right? So that would be kind right. of crazy. Yeah. To have. <laughs> there would be a lot of bloodlines, I would think. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, I don't know. I'm just uh, 
I'm putting together my uh, wish list. Uh, that's what I'm through here. Michael, your head's back. All right. All right, Owen. You want to talk some breeding? Let's do that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Matt, can you kind of walk us through, like, what, what you do to get your animals ready for the breeding season? I mean, what's your approach to uh, picking your pairs and uh, getting your girls ready? Okay. Uh, great question. Great question. So let's, let's do getting them ready because that, that's easy. Um, so just make sure I'm pretty particular on, on the, the, the size, I guess you could say, but uh, the fattiness, I, I like to keep my snakes, uh, smaller, uh, not obese. So I make sure that they're fed real good, but there's like, again, another little Zen point where I kind of see them and I'm like, you're a little too big. We're going to take a week or two off and get them feeding. So as long as they're uh, stable and, and thick, but not chunky, um, they're ready to roll. Um, they tend to be seasonal. Now, I've heard from other people that they've had luck not doing seasonal. Uh, my first year, I had like this theory that everybody says they're seasonal because there's not much written on the burns um, on how to breed them. There's like basically one place where you can find where it's written. So I just feel like everybody's following that rule of thumb. So I was like, man, I'm going to come in early. And, and then they had the first clutch of the year. So I started pairing in August, and none of my snakes went. Um, <laughs> and then the, then the next year, I followed the rule of thumb and, and got some luck. So um, I'm going to stick with the seasonal. Somebody may have luck otherwise. So what I do, um, again, they're in the basement, so I do get a little bit of that um, seasonal fluctuation and variance in the temps. Um, the ground gets a little colder, um, so, there, so it does cool a little bit, and you kind of get the breezes. Um, coming in from the garage, so it kind of helps me. Um, but I, I start pairing um, depending on who I got my mail going with. Um, so, like, uh, my, the labyrinth I had going with two, so I didn't start her, him as early, um, but that, that male I had him going to three, so I started mid-November um, is when I start pairing. And so that would put, like, if he's going to three, that would put your third pairing at the beginning of December. Um, so, you know, my methodology is so we fe- I feed on Saturdays, so Tuesday night, I put the snake in, the male in the female's cage, and I pull them out Friday, uh, Friday okay. morning. So that gives him Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night uh, to get it done. If he locks, I leave him in there, especially early in the year. Okay. Um, and then so that and so you, again, I, I shoot for one lock a month, kind of kind of my number that I like. Um, and then that way you can kind of gauge if if he didn't lock with one, but he locks with another, you know, you might rotate around a little different. Um, later in the season, if you get your lock on Tuesday night and you're kind of behind on another, you know, you pull them out, throw them in another cage Wednesday, you know, just adjust there. Um, and so, so the timeline on that, generally I'm getting ovulations, uh, middle to end of February into middle of March. Um, okay. so, you know, it's just really, it's almost like clockwork three months. Um, and then kind of t- tying into that, uh, we, so, uh, apex snakes, he, he started a little early. Um, he got a little anxious and he, his, he started almost a, on the dot a month early and then, and he got his ovulation a month early. So they tend to follow that three month. I wouldn't push it too much early though, cause it didn't work so well for me my first year. But, um, so it is pretty consistent with that three months. Um, okay. So it's pretty simple. I don't adjust temps. Um, the males are ready to roll. They kind of pull off feed. They, they don't eat as well during breeding season, so they know. Even my males that are kind of my backup males kind of go off food a little bit. Okay. So they know. Uh, the temps, just, just the seasonal barometric pressure, I don't know. But they, they know. Um, so I don't adjust temps. Um, just kind of let them do their thing, um, and it's pretty consistent. Uh, as far as pairings and planning, um, 
again, kind of touching on what Eric said, you know, I'm trying to go a different route. So, you know, trying to think long-term and I think that's kind of going to be the people that, that stick around, you know, if you're just looking to make those combos, you know, year one, year two, you, you know, you might have a couple of good years. Um, but what I'm trying to do is be here three, four or five years later down the road. So I'm kind of trying to pair again. I don't, I, I almost am avoiding making visuals and just trying to create the most um, <laughs> obscure normals I can. Um, right. so, so really just, yeah, just sit back and, and all year, I, all year I'm thinking, Oh, what about this? And then I'll see something else that'll kind of inspire me, you know, something on Google or something on uh, Instagram, like, Whoa, what if I worked that? So it changes all year <laughs> long. But, but, but once what I do is I will never pair. Um, cause it, it's all, it's all for a purpose. So I'm not trying to make, uh, babies so much. I'm trying to make a certain look of a snake. So I'm going to use one male. If it's not okay. going well, then they're just not going to go that year. I'm not a, I don't have a, a you know, like a, a different male or screw it, throw this in with it so we get babies. Everything's very strategic, planned out. And if it's not going well, then we just we hit it again next year. Okay. Uh-huh. And so, so you said you kind of pair them up on Tuesday, separate them by Friday. But uh, how long will you kind of keep a male going in there if you haven't really seen too many really good locks? Like, how long do you extend the season of them being together? When do you call yeah, it quits? I'll, yeah, I'll run it through March, and then I tap it. <clears throat> okay. And, and the males, I mean, they will, they will not be as aggressive breeders as March progresses. You'll see them okay. uh, be less excited or enthused about it. You won't get as many locks, and, uh, yeah, you'll see their behavior change. So I'll push it through. Like if I've got, you know, it's not going the way I want it, or I'm going to, like I want my Hail Mary I started in January, I'll run him, I'll pair them through March, and then I'll tap out. Okay. Do you, do, do berms have, uh, are they aggressive, like with male combat, like retics are? No. No. Okay. No. They are, uh, they're, they're super laid back. Um, if you're talking about putting two males in there to kind of get things going, um, yeah. I, I, I've done it. And, and I, nothing really happened. They just all kind of hung out. Um, so <laughs> I was like, all right. Oh, no, all right, we're fine together. <laughs> right. So I haven't had – I know some people do that, and uh, some people have had maybe some experiences with that. I've tried it, and, and nothing happened. But I do um, – the old faithful, I'll take a, a male shed and throw in there um, if it's handy. I don't know if right. it you know, really increases it, but generally it works. But it might have worked without the skin anyway. But I do it. So, what was the? And I know you said the time frame between locks and, uh, like, wh- how long do you say you really got to wait between locks and prelay? You said about two months, three months. Uh, it generally falls about three. Uh, okay. I did have so the hypo girl. Her first lock was November, uh, towards the end of November, and then I had one in December, and then she ovulated January twenty ninth. Um, so that one was just basically two months. I guess maybe three. Um, okay. It's going to fall right in that three month range. You know, if you're starting in November, look for your obbies. You know, around February, March. Okay. And then, how long from prelay to eggs? Uh, prelay shed to eggs is going to be thirty-ish. Pretty standard of everything else, I think. Um, I generally like a thirty-two. That's my sweet spot. If I get a twenty-eight, the eggs usually aren't good. So if I'm 30 and I don't have them, right. things are looking great. Um, but if we ride around that 30-day mark, so usually what I do is from Avi, um, I'm looking for 45 days. Okay. Because, you know, they're going to shed 14-ish, 16-ish, 
and then you're looking at 30 days from there, 32. So 45 is where I kind of mark my calendar and start looking. Is okay. ovulation, uh, like, is it noticeable? Like, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. Just think- oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. Great Why question. do we pick the snakes yeah. where it's hard to find it? Or I just <laughs> yeah. suck These at it. Things, so. It's insane. They, they, get, they get real big. And then if you have, like, a, a fatter one, they they yeah. raise up like the the ovulation makes them taller, but it's yeah it's way noticeable. It's pretty crazy. Do you palpate That's them nuts. at all to figure out? Yeah. Or is I, that... No, I tried and I, I've been unsuccessful. So I don't know if you can. I cannot. <laughs> okay. Is it just too much snake to palpate, or is it like <laughs> yeah, you know, it's rapid, you it's a big a animal? Hug, let it crawl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I feel something together. on my chest. Yeah, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, uh, now you just said that you don't mess with temps at all. Uh-huh. Uh, do you, do you offer any kind of thing once you feel that the female is gravid? Do you kind of bump heat at all or just kind of let her ride? Let her ride. All right. Does she get a nest box? No, so I don't do a nest box. Um, How, no. kind of, we're going to find a box uh, big enough. <laughs> so I mean, like, <laughs> what would that be? Manufacture <laughs> yeah, that, but, uh, uh, you know, kind of my, as I was getting into this, my, my rule of thumb is if, if I saw consistent like nest box, nest box, nest box, then I would do it. But okay. you know, I saw so much, sometimes I do. And these other person says I never do. So the easiest route is to not to do. So I don't do it. And I, I don't have an issue with it. And they're not aggressive when you're getting the eggs. They're just chill as usual. That was going to be my next question is like, uh, mm-hmm. let's go to, she's got the eggs, uh, have, uh, and you got to go get them. She kind of just lets you take them. Yeah, yeah. So um, I always do the paper towel trick. So I get my roll paper towel and kind of push her face back and and kind of gauge her. But they usually just kind of move over and then let you kind of get them out. Even uh, I'd say my, the female that's got the most attitude would be the leopard, and, and even she was, you know, I was a little hesitant with her. And that's a big snake, and uh, she was laid back as could be. So that's awesome. Yeah, no issue there. Yeah. So how would you go about setting up the eggs in the incubator? Like what's the temp and then how do you set them up in the box, I guess? Okay. Good question. So, um, I spent a lot of time finding the perfect box. Like Goldilocks is like had to be the right height, the right width. Um, and I stumbled upon a box, uh, it's, uh, the Ziploc makes it, but it's a 26 and a half. Okay. Um, it's 17, like basically 17 by 20. Um, and so it's got enough height. I think it's five and a half tall. But anyways, it's got enough height because I like to uh, get a lot of the, uh, the the medium incubation medium in there. Um, so I use um, Hatchrite for my berm. So with, with the ball python, um, I can do the vermiculite, mix it up with the water, get the right uh, consistency. I'm good to go because I'm just doing a six quart uh, little tub. With, with, with the with the 26 and a half, it's just I don't trust myself enough to be comfortable with the moisture. Like okay. I probably would get it right, but I would I would be I wake up at you know two in the morning and be like is it too wet is it not wet enough so I go with hatchet <laughs> I feel comfortable with it I get a good night's sleep and I feel good, um, <laughs> so I, so that's what I go with there so I take the uh, hatch right and I get it uh, I'm doing a thing with my hand I'm gonna guess about three inches again I like it a decent amount off the bottom because if I do need to add water I don't want to have to be like super careful where I'm putting the water I can pour a good bit of water on there and know it's not gonna be on the eggs. Um, so that, so that's what I do. So I do the hatch, right? Uh, put the eggs in. Um, yeah, I separate them if they need to be to fit in the box. 
Um, but if you know, there's a clump of three or four that I can fit in there nicely, then I just leave them be. Um, but you know, for the sometimes they clump big, and you kind of kind of piece them off. Um, so if I have to do that, I will. Um, temps. Uh, so I, I like 88. Um, and it's Georgia. It gets warm in the summer. That's when you're incubating. Uh, sometimes the AC can't keep up with the temp outside. So it gives me that little buffer. Uh, sometimes I'll drop it even to 87, so I'm not here during the day. I don't want it to spike. I get real uncomfortable when it's at 90. Um, I don't know what's too hot, but I don't like it at 90. So I don't right. want to set it, let's say, some people do 89. They'll, they'll hatch quicker, but I don't want to have like a nice, you know, 95-degree day in Georgia, and then the incubator gets a little hot and it's sitting at 92. So I'll go a little cooler. Um, so 87, 88 is where I like them. Um, I, I have a – as sure most people do, um, a, a little thermometer, digital thermometer with a probe. So that's in the egg box. So okay. I, I go off of the temp in the, in the egg box and adjust my thermostat accordingly. And then I also have like a little temperature thing in the incubator so I know what the incubator temp is. But egg box is what's important. Right. How how big is your incubator? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily um, – yeah, so I just got the standard uh, hot box by Sea Serpents, and it's not okay. a huge one. Just luckily, I've only had a couple clutches at a time. They've been generous and spaced themselves out. But that uh, <laughs> 34 egg clutch took up two two levels. Oh, um, and then luckily, the other the other clutch uh, that I had last year was was smaller, so I was able to fit that on the third, and, and everybody was nice and happy. Then I had a couple ball pythons drop, so we just kind of find a little nook for them. We go. <laughs> Tuck them in there. So, exactly. I mean, you know, but it, realistically, you could run out of space in there pretty quick. Have oh, you no ever, problem. have you ever given thought to maternal incubation? Uh, I have not. Um, that's, okay. that's a great reason to. Um, so if I was in that position, that's thank you for finding me a way out. I'm not having to get incubated. <laughs> um, thank you for that. I, uh, but yeah, I, I, when these things come off, you know, these are big snakes. They are they are pitiful when they come off their skin right. and they just like lose skin and they just feel awful for them. So it, my, my standard procedure, you know, get them off and then clean the cage real well. And then you have a rabbit thawing or a guinea pig thawing and you just feed them and they get right. a lot of food for that first few bits. So I see them feeling a little bigger. Um, I can't imagine what they'd look like after 60 days. Uh, but I know <laughs> people have done it and, and, and been successful with it. And, um, with them, and then I don't know how much you guys have done the maternal um, incubation, but if you come home, so usually like they'll lay when I'm at work or something and I come home, the amount of, of heat and humidity that's coming off of these snakes, it's insane. It's crazy how the moms can manipulate that, you know, with the twitches. Yeah. It's, I mean, you yeah. feel it. Your hand is yeah. kind of moist with the air. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I actually, I've done it a few times, and I've actually had a snake, like they kind of like, coiled down around the eggs and actually uh-huh. pick them up and move them over. Shut like, up. Yeah, it was really That's cool. Crazy. It, it was really, uh-huh. really cool. Yeah. I have never trusted my females to do it. <laughs> I, right? <laughs> I've seen them do some dumb things, so I guess... I have one doing it right now. I, again, nope. So... Nothing is cooler than like when the mom separates from that eggs and then you see the little babies coming out. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, uh, Eric, I have moment. a I have a picture that I'm going to send you again. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that the other day. We have these. So, yeah, we have these discussions. So, so Matt, I'll I'll tell you this story. 
So as uh-huh. everybody's heard this before, but you'll get a kick out of this. So my first year breeding pythons, I'm all excited. I'm going to do maternal incubation. That's what it is. All my clutches are going to be maternally incubated, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Female knows best. So I didn't even get an incubator. Uh-huh. I said, nope, I'm not going to get an incubator. I, the moms are going to take care of it. Well, the first clutch, everything was good. The second clutch, one of the eggs was kind of sticking out of the coils. Well, I'm just in a panic. So I'm like, well, what do I do now? So everybody's like, ah, you should pull the female off and put them in the incubator. I'm like, I don't have an incubator. (laughs) So I had to quickly like throw these eggs in a box and Owen lived like 15 minutes away from me. And I like, I put a towel in the dryer and like, you know, to try to, cause it's, it's the middle of the winter, <laughs> I throw a towel in the dryer to try to keep it kind of warm. And like, I got a heat pack and like I'm rushing to his house. And, you know, since then he's, he's busted my stones every year. Well, you it. know, but the problem is, is that months, months later, He's all excited because his babies are hatching out of his maternal incubation clutch. So he's sending pictures of everybody, and they're all these group messages. And he's like, "Look, uh-huh. maternal incubation success!" And then right below it, I put a picture of his eggs in my incubator, and I'm like, "Look, maternal incubation failure!" So yeah, failure. It's like, you know, <laughs> just the digs at him, and I have to get in. So yeah, but that was one of those things. But anyway, when it comes to little guys. After they hatch, how do you set them up? Uh, what kind of bin? I assume they're in a bin. V18s. Uh, yeah, V18s. <laughs> do you offer any kind of uh, a perching situation for these guys, or do you find that they don't really give a crap? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I don't know if they give a crap, but I don't give it to them. Um, so right. they go from the egg uh, into a tub, so whether it's the hatchling rack or the V18, uh, I do paper towels, and I get okay. the paper towels wet. Not moist, it's wet. Um and then I do give them a, a, a little bowl of water, um, but I, I mist a lot because I don't know if they know to drink it. So I mist <laughs> them, and then I make sure I'm misting, like, the sides of the tub so there's water droplets for them to get. Um, but, yeah, just put them in that. You know, again, with the V18, it's kind of a hide in and of itself. Um, you know, if you are doing a hatching rack, which I had a hatching rack this year because I needed a bigger one. Um, <laughs> and so no, no perching, just kind of put them in there, and uh, they, they do fine. Um I don't know. They may, they might like to to perch, but I don't give them that. Who knows? Right. Uh, what's the is the humidity say, or what, the is the moisture important? Because that's a lot of. I mean, the the wet paper towels and the spraying down the oh, sides. How long do you keep that going? Yeah, great question. Thank you for that clarification. Um, so until they shed, so that's okay. probably important. Yeah. So until they have their first shed, and then I still keep them on the paper towels, and then after a little bit, I go to the the newspaper. But, yeah, great question. Okay. So, yeah, I keep it real wet like that so they have a nice, clean shed. And, again, I don't know if they drink out of the bowl, you know, right off the jump. So I'd like just to make sure they have opportunities to at least accidentally get some water when they're rubbing up against the cage. Are they your typical python time frame of shedding, or are they like blood pythons where it's like months or like what's usually <laughs> the time frame for the first shed? Yeah, yeah roughly a week. And, and okay. You know, uh, two weeks would be long. If you're going into that three-week uh, from my experience, that's going to be a trouble eater. Um, oh, okay. So those are the ones I right. won't even take the chicks. Um, but yeah, so you're right around that seven to ten day mark. They should all start shedding. And uh, I know some people might put them all together. Um, I separate them so that way I keep an eye on who has shed, who has not. You can kind of keep an eye on who's going to the bathroom and who's not. So they each get their own little tub as soon as they come out. Okay. okay. So I, I know we talked earlier about, like, the chicks being your go-to 
when it comes to a, a picky feeder, do you have any other kind of tips or tricks that you would use for these kind of guys? You know, I, I haven't had to resort to any because that's just okay. that's just money in the bank right there. Um, it, and it it blew me away because these were the hard, this this past uh, year the, the leopard clutch were the hardest to get to eat, and it was such a high number. And I, I had a bunch of normals, I think you know, I don't know, ten or eleven, and people wanted them, but they weren't eating. And then so just I, as soon as I put a chick, I was like, screw you know, let me get some chicks and thawed them out, and bam, I mean instant. Like they just were just waiting on it, and they knew it was coming. Um, they didn't want her at. So I haven't had to really resort to anything else. Um, I, I've had to assist feed some. This is before I discovered the chick uh, trick. Um, but, you know, that's just the, the standard, um, you know, assist feed them, and, and eventually they catch on. But the chicks, man, they, you don't need a trick when you got that. Right. What's the uh, what's the average size of the babies? Yeah, yeah that's another great question. A lot of variance there. Um so a great example would be so my one of my very first clutches. Uh, this girl, uh, man, she was seven foot, seven and a half foot. Um, she was five or six years old, just wasn't big. Um, and her babies were small, and her eggs were small. Um, you know, so I, I don't know, maybe six, seven inches. Um, but the, let's take the leopard, who's a big girl, uh, huge eggs. Uh, those came out ten, maybe maybe twelve. Um, and girthy, man, they were they were chunky little things. Um, so anywhere in that range, and it can vary, and it, and it is, does seem to be pretty consistent with the size of the female that laid and the size of the eggs that came out. But there's definitely a lot of variance. And the, the first clutch, like the, the the eggs, almost look like ball python eggs. They were just weren't impressive at all. Snakes came out fine. They're smaller when they came out. They caught up. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. It's just you know they didn't have as much room to expand, or, or she didn't give them as much. Nutrients in those eggs, I don't know, but they all worked out good. But you know, and then the uh, the leopard, she's a big girl. She's she's real round, and those were those were monsters. Right. That's um, cool. Typically, so I have a, I I didn't put this on the outline, but um, I I thought maybe we could talk about handling. Um, you okay. know, like maybe some uh, you know approaches to to handling them, and um, the other thing is, is like I've noticed that as babies. They seem to be uh, huffy. That's pretty mm-hmm. much normal, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. So it's yeah, not gonna, this... They're going to have a little bit of attitude. Okay. Uh, so but, you just have to all... pretty much handle them to break them of that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So they they, they bluff a lot, and they're going to try to right. blow some air. And I, I found majority don't bite of the babies. Right. Uh, let me take that back. Maybe not majority. Let's call it half and <laughs> half. I'll go half and <laughs> half. Reflecting on last year's. There we go. Um, but uh, yeah, so for, for the most part, they they outgrow that just just uh, you know with routine. Um, so so as babies, you know, a lot of people generally by the time I ship them out, the majority of them have have grown out of that or, or, or gotten out of that habit. Um, but if somebody does have one, you know, a lot of people think you, you hold them to get them used to, to to being held and not being afraid. But you know, my biggest tip for anybody on, on the the babies, especially, is don't hold them a lot. Pick them up twice a day, hold them for literally a minute, minute and a mm-hmm. half might be too much. So you don't stress them out. So you get them used to, I'm going to pick you up, but if you, if you just wait a second, you're going right back in. If you try to hold them, then they're scared. And every time you go to hold them, they're like, crap, this dude's going to have me out for 10 minutes. You know, oh, so I, I, mean, I tell everybody, you know, pick them up. So make sure they're used to a hand coming towards them and being held, but just hold them for 30 seconds, a minute, and then just put them right back in and walk away. Do that twice right. a day. And eventually they get used to that routine. Um, so, so they they will generally outgrow that. I've got um, 
the 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 hypo I held back that looks just like the dad that really liked one. She still blows like all kinds of air and coils up, but she has never once bit. Um, she's the only one I got still huffy, but then you have nothing to worry about. She wouldn't bite. Um, right. They tend to outgrow that. So once they hit that, you know, I don't know, two foot, three foot range, they're usually pretty chill. If from my experience, if they're not, um, then they're they're going to be like that, and you're going to have a right. a whole snake that you got to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, the yeah. The, the really light hypo I have, the male, he's he's five-ish years old, I think, um, and he is terrible. And, and if I was feeding, <laughs> I would never have him. I mean, he, <laughs> you will get peed on and you will get bit. Um, okay. Except for, oddly enough, in breeding season, so once I start pairing, he's cool. He'll let me get him out because he knows where he's going. It's crazy how he just – like all <laughs> summer, man, he's miserable. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I got him and I was like, man, he just needs to be worked with. Well, that I got tired of getting peed on. So he's just a grumpy snake and he's pretty. So we deal with it. Um, but you know, as far as the adults, <laughs> um, I always go in with the paper towel cause the, the snakes just have that feeding response. Um, sure. they're super docile. And then, uh, once, once they know what's going on, they're good. They're, they're a little, they're a lot more laid back, not a little, a lot more laid back than the retics. Um, I've had some, some poor uh, paper towel rolls get just demolished because those retics slam it, wrap it up, and won't let go. But usually don't right. run into that with the, with the burns, but always go in with the paper towel roll and uh, kind of let them know what's going on in your not food, and then you can just get them out. Um, I, I, I handle mine when I clean the cages, and on occasion people come over, I get them out and show them and, and spend some time with them, but they're not something that with the burns I haven't really had to spend excessive amounts to tame them or get them used to it. Once an adult, they're just kind of laid back with snakes, so they're good with being held or moved around. The leopard uh, kind of fussy. We have an right. agreement, and so she's kind of learned our routine. Um, I get her out, and I put her in the tub, and I clean, and I put her back. If I exceed that, she's going to start huffing and puffing. If I go any further, she will pee on me. So uh, just, it's a good agreement we have, and, and we both understand each other. <laughs> Because I comply, we're good. Well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, cool. All right. Jesus. Um, so maybe we can just jump into. I know we've talked about it throughout the show. Some of your pairings for 2018, but you know, like uh-huh. uh, maybe we can walk through some of uh, some of the stuff that you're excited about and what you hope to uh, to produce. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so. Again, one of the main objectives this year uh, was to see what is going on with this with this hypo. Um, <clears throat> and you put the picture on this outline and uh, of uh, some of the pairings of the snakes together. And there's the one of the uh, light hypo on top of the standard hypo, and you can see the difference. Um, yeah. So I've got him going to the hypo. So he's he's also uh, double het um, albino green and. Um, uh, rumor has it, uh, het granite. I haven't proved that out. Um, so I don't know, but that's just, you know, through the grapevine heard that. Um, so that, that hypo is also double het albino green. So you're going to get a lot of variation in there. Um, and again, what's, what's real cool about that one is we're going to see hopefully, okay. And, and this is going out of a limb and, and this could be absolutely <laughs> nothing, but, but I'm optimistic and I'm thinking outside the burn box. Hopefully we get like the standard light hypo, you know, maybe coming from her her genes, but we also get uh-huh. these, these blazing light hypos, and hopefully we get normals with the light. So a lot of opportunity there to see what's going on with this guy. Um, so she should lay, um, if everything goes well, seventeenth. Um, so that's this week, you know, later this week, okay. as everything goes well, should hopefully get a clutch awesome. there. Um, 
And we got him going to the albino green, um, <clears throat> which I posted a picture of one of her, what she produces. She produces these pearls that are just, they're gorgeous. Um, she took the year off last year. Um, so she's, she's big now. So hopefully we'll get some good stuff out of her. But again, the, the light hypo to her, um, albino green, he's double head albino green. So, uh, hopefully get, you know, so an opportunity to see if there are some of those light things that pop out and see if we can get that light, if we can pull it out of the hypo, maybe we'll get some real light greens, uh, real light albino greens, who knows what'll come out. So we got that one. She, we're waiting on her, uh, post ovulation shed, um, any day now. She's actually a couple days behind on that. <laughs> Rolls us right into, um, so I got a, a labby to labby, uh, pairing. Um, Ooh, nice. so actually albino. Yeah. So <laughs> if we don't know much about the labyrinth, um, so kind of what I talked about, what I want to do with, with the berms is make these like variant, uh, pattern normals. Well, with the labyrinth, the gene, it is variant in and of itself. Just, just, yeah. you know, Beanie has like a certain look to his labbies. Uh, Keith Lewis, he gets a lot of stripes in his mind looks like a tiger. I don't know what's going on with it. So that's why the labyrinth gene is fun. It's just in and of itself without having to think outside the burn box, just throw some labs together and you're going to get something that looks awesome. So um, what's cool about that pairing is <laughs> it's an albino labyrinth, uh, possible het green. Now when I'm picking up snakes and getting new snakes, I, I really go for ones that just look different. And so generally a uh, uh, albino lab is going to have real high contrast, real high white. Mine doesn't have that. The yellow kind of bled in and, and it was – it's almost not as pretty as some of the other ones, but there's something going on with it. So I think it'll help me make just, just labyrinths that look different from everybody else's. So it could be the het green influencing it. So, again, albino labyrinth, possible het green, to a labyrinth that is, uh, was, I was told is double het albino green. Um, we can, I haven't proved it, so we can call it POS if we want. So you could get – I mean, we could end up hitting a, a triple recessive there, which would be neat and fun to work with in the future. It wouldn't look neat. It would look like an albino green, but you know right. labby to labby. It'd be carrying the labyrinth gene. Powerhouse could be fun to work with. Um, so she ovulated, actually waiting on her uh, post-ovulation shed. <clears throat> I believe it's due today or tomorrow. So hopefully that one goes well. Now she is – she's five or six years old. Um, uh-huh. She's She's – uh, barely eight feet so she's small so i don't know how that's gonna translate into how she's gonna lay are they gonna be good eggs is it gonna be a five egg clutch i don't know so I, i'm i'm not getting too excited about that one but she's going to push something out we'll see what it is um and then so the the, the we have on here the albino lab to the leopard and this was this was the plan this is the the long-term marathon goal of really just just pushing berms to the limit, and so the idea here is is everything's going to be 100% albino lab, and the the leopard seems to act like a codom. So the idea is to hoard every la- leopard in there and just keep it because it's going to be carrying the lab gene, um, ideally to a male. I've got a hypo labyrinth female that'll be ready. So by the time he's ready, the idea here is is hypo leopard lab. Um, and then if you could end up hitting uh, the, the, the head albino there, it would just really brighten up the lab. So, um, wow. She, <laughs> as you guys know, as you work with your females and you, you do it, if you're, she's not going to go. I, it would be a miracle if she did. You know, you, you, you kind of pick up on the keys, you know, her behavior, her color, you know, they brighten up. And yeah. I'm just I'm not feeling good about that one. So she's gone two years in a row, so I don't think she's going to go this year. So my, my dream may be put off. But okay. uh, maybe, she'll, maybe she'll surprise us. <laughs> so that was a cool one, and that's why I pulled in the Hail Mary and threw that super light hypo to a normal who uh, she's allegedly head granite. Uh, got her, 
you know, when the Lacey Act was going on, if a female, breedable female that looked good popped up, you get it. You don't ask questions. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure. getting it, and we're going to find out. So right. her up. She's a gorgeous, textbook, beautiful, normal. Um, and, uh, you know, if anything, hopefully maybe that light will, will show up and we'll get a lot of variants. But that was kind of my Hail Mary. So once I realized Leopard's not looking like she's going to go, I pulled up that, uh, that fourth pairing. I, I really don't want – so ideally, I don't. I don't really want a big quantity of snakes like those thirty egg clutches. I would preferably like to avoid. Um, right. in the perfect world, I'm going to get four clutches of fifteen. Right. Um, and that might even be too much. I want. I want to keep the numbers down. Um, you know, I think that just makes each you know production, each peach state python snake, a, a little more special. I don't know if that sounds corny, but you know, I'm not producing yeah. hundred snakes where everybody has one. It's kind of like. Oh, right, and he right. had a peach state snake. That's cool. I wanted one, but he was sold out. You know, kind of makes it a little cooler for everybody. Um, so that's kind of what I go for. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was three for four um, as far as ovulation, and so that's a impressive number. I, I'm I'm surprised I pulled that off, 75%. Now I don't know if I get eggs from all of them, but um, right. So so going it's pretty strong numbers. So we'll see what happens with that fourth one. But you know, if I just get the three, man, it's a it's a killer year. How 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 did your collection kind of like fare during all that Lacey Act stuff, and how's it doing now that you that's kind of been somewhat I guess alleviated? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I, that's really when I got into it, and that's <clears throat> really what drove me and pushed me into this berm hoarding situation that I've fallen in love with. Um, okay, they weren't readily available. You couldn't just go out and get them. So. Um, it, it kind of became a mission to to collect, you know, the the best ones available in Georgia, and, and really start to work with them. And it seemed like they were kind of almost oh, this is probably too strong of a word, but like shunned. You know, nobody really respected the berm because people weren't okay. doing stuff with them. You know, you're like right. you kind of passed around. And you know, I had one. Um, <laughs> I bought it as a female, turned out to be a male, so I don't have it anymore. But I was the sixth owner in six months of this snake. Huh. And it, oh, it's wow. kind of sad, you know. The snake just got passed around. It, it was a little squirmy. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't, you know, pleasant to hold. But beautiful snake. And uh, I had it for about a year and um, put it in with a male, and uh, they definitely didn't lock it, so I reprobed it as a male. So I uh, sold, it, sold it to one of my buddies. But um, anyway, so they, they kind of, again, I say shunned, but they just weren't, people weren't excited about them and doing a lot with them. And so I really wanted to kind of change that because they're, they're amazing snakes, you know, from a, a green, you know, just a, a blank snake with a screen color, you know, to the granite with all the speckles. So there's a lot you can do with them. So um, the Lacey Act kind of was what drove me and inspired me to get into it. Um, and I just, I, in, in a weird way, I can't tell you why. I just like, surely it's not going to last forever. So I was like, right. do what you can and, and kind of make a name for yourself. When they open these things up, you know, you'll be ready to roll. Um, so it, it definitely helps and it's definitely you've seen a huge influx of, of, of excitement for the berms they haven't really been readily available um, you're at the mercy of what's in your state and who's breeding in your state so now you can kind of nitpick and, and, and be selective in what you want and, and be looking for a certain morph and, and, and find it and shop around for it so a lot of excitement you know the berm Facebook groups are getting a little more active uh, a little more positive and, and a lot of energy behind it um, so it's definitely helped, and especially from a breeding standpoint, you know, I love this hobby. I love waking up every morning and cleaning the snakes. So now that we have more opportunity to sell, uh, it gives me more opportunity to, to spend time and, and kind of grow the collection. So it works for everybody. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> nice. What is the, 
what is the last the the last picture that I put? What what is that exactly? <laughs> yeah, that's a phenomenal. Besides, question. unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I, that came from uh, the pairing was that super light hypo uh, to the leopard, and you'll oh. see in it. Um, uh, the leopard influence, right? The reduced pattern, uh, the kind of rounded pattern on the back, um, and then then it's got. So this is optimistic. Again, I'm not claiming anything for anybody who's listening, saying that there's some extra gene out there. Something made the snake light, and I don't know what it is. Um, it's lighter than anything you've seen as a, as a berm fan for a long time. Lighter than anything yeah. I've seen. Um, so optimistically and just just thinking way outside the box and reaching here, just reaching. I can't quite grasp it, but is there something within that male that I have that is lightening up snakes? I'm not going to call it a pastel gene, but maybe similar to a pastel gene. I'm not going to go there, but you know, just get, get, that's what we need to wrap our head around is the idea. Um, so that's a normal, um, and again, leopard influence. And again, going back to to Tom's, you know, his kind of, he was thinking outside (laughs) the box, um, mentality, um, Maybe it's that bloodline of the leopard, so it's the normal bloodline, wherever it came from, that's allowing right. maybe head albino to brighten the heck out of this thing. And then it's got some head green in there, so that's reducing the pattern, and that combo is just making this crazy snake. I don't know. But that is a male, and it's downstairs, and it's mine. So we're going to work with it. No one else can have it. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So we're going to see what it can do. You know, it's, it'll be ready end of this year, you know, so I'm going to definitely put it to work. And – you know, a lot of what I want to do, too, is, you know, you, if you know the ivories, hypo to hypo, you get the ivories. Well, mm-hmm. it, it, I have a, a male uh, eight-foot eight or so ivory, and it might be one of the prettiest snakes I have. It's so clean, and it's beautiful, but it's a shame too high. Like, if you took this pattern and you hit it under ivory, a blank slate, you know, it would be a right. shame. So I, I wanted a normal yeah. male to throw to my hypo female, so I kind of avoid an ivory as much as I love them. But let's really work and see what we can manipulate with the pattern and not hide it. So yeah, so that's that's yeah, that's my guy. It's crazy, man. Every man, time I open when, it, I'm like, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think that that, well, that yeah, that was the snake that was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, oh my god, <laughs> that might have been one you're hitting me up for. Yeah, yeah I think uh, it was. <laughs> said, no sir. No, no sir. Like, I mean, nah, I've nah. never seen a head pattern that's that like un. Um, unpronounced like it doesn't seem to have definition on the head pattern it's kind of right. awesome yeah Fade yeah out. Mm-hmm. yeah that's that's, that's awesome crazy, man that's wild the blushing on it uh, yeah, I don't yeah. Know, man. cool stuff so appreciate it i guess uh, i i guess you know you're also working with retex well you know what are you doing with retex because I, I i another thing <laughs> i noticed about what you did that i also am a fan of is i i there's cool retic morphs, and I think they're cool, but it's hard to beat a normal retic, and right. it's very hard to find one. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. saw you that a is picture true. of one. It's like everybody has it mixed with this or that. And it's, well, uh-huh. so let's put it that way. I got a I got a retic as a pet, and it is a uh, God. The hell only knows what the hell is in this thing. I don't know. It's like a platinum tiger, something, 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 whatever the hell. And I'm like, it's pretty. It's, it's right. gorgeous. But, but that that was the pet retic as opposed to like mm-hmm. a normal retic. Like mm-hmm. those weren't around. You can't even find them to be the pet. They're almost animal. a rarity, so, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my uh, that that big girl. 
I mean, she is just incredible. Um, the the yellows, the blacks, and the grays, and you know the retics, they really do. They they change color. This fired up that I always heard about until I had one. I didn't know what they meant. I mean, this she changes color. She gets so bright. Um, so yeah, so I I, uh, uh, I dabble in the retics. Um, uh-huh. kind of, they were kind of um, nicely forced upon me. My brother he had two beautiful retics, and then he had to move to Florida. And so, you know, he was trying to sell them. He's like, you know what, Matt, you want them. You know, I know you'll take good care of them. And so I got two retics. And, and uh, the one was a male, and, and I was just verifying as a male, popped them, and some sperm came out. So I said, well, I can't have a male here not doing anything. So I rounded up a couple females, <laughs> uh, started trying to put them to work. So the extent of my work – so I haven't had, I haven't had them very long. Um, basically, my work with the retics is I put a male in a female's cage – and that's okay. it, as far as I've gotten. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So I haven't been very successful with them. Um, he he's, uh, definitely enjoys the friend zone. He, he cuddles up with them and, and enjoys his time in there, but I haven't seen him do any work. Um, so I don't have much going with the retics, but I, I do have some real nice ones. Uh, that, that normal is absolutely my favorite. Um, the, the concern with her is, so I got her from a buddy. Uh, she just laid 50 pounds of eggs. So I don't know what I would do with 50 pounds of eggs. So I got to be real selective in what I'm doing with her. Yeah, can you imagine that? And she's heavy as could be. I can't imagine holding her when she had eggs. Oh my! But uh, you know, a, a, a testament to how awesome Jesus. she is. You know, I don't know where she came. I know where I got her, but I don't. I mean, she's old because she's huge. She's like 17 foot. Um, right. I don't know what path she's traveled, but she ends up here, and she's the biggest sweetheart. You know, she's so nice. She moves a lot, and it's a big snake, but it's just awesome to see these animals, you know, how resilient they are, I guess. You know, she maybe had an amazing home wherever she came from, but you just kind of think the snake went from home to home, and she's just hanging out and happy as can be. Right. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Um, and then I noticed that you're working, well, I don't know if you have a pair yet. I think I saw that you have a male uh, white lip. Is yes. that something that you're yeah. dabbling into? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I will because it only makes sense to, but I, right. um, it's not something I'm, I'm super pursuing. So I, I've had my eye on them for a minute, um, been researching them. Um, and, and from my understanding, they're, they're really hard to get to breed. Um, talking like you've got to drop the temps to, to something that would be chilly to me uh, to get them going. And, um, so I kind of pulled back on them, but, um, you know, pursuing them. But then I just I fell in love with this one. I was at uh, Repticon in Baltimore, and uh-huh. I, I had my – I'd seen them. But anyway, this one was kind of separate, and he, they called it gold phase. And I honestly don't know if that's actually a phase. But he had, like, northerns, and then he had this one. And this one was just – it was so bright. And so I said, all right, uh, if I come back tomorrow and it's still here, I'm taking it. So, yeah, <laughs> so I have the white lip. Um, I'm ready for female, uh, two females. I'd like to do a 1.2, give me a little better odds. Um and so I'll try my hand at it. Um, is it we'll gold see. or black face? It's gold. gold face. Oh. Yeah. But, I mean, it's yeah. like it's, it's really golder nice. than any gold I've seen. Yeah, because, you know, the northerns kind of have a gold hint to them, a little hue yeah. to it, and the southerns are, are dark. This is, like, beyond that. It's, yeah. It's, it's gold. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Um, with a real I, dark I, head, it's neat. I had one that was pretty much gold from his neck down. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I lost him. But like, and that was a kick to my freaking. Now that pissed me off. Mm-hmm. But I currently have two adult golds, and they haven't mm-hmm. killed each other. So that's, that's a good. plus. That's a step <laughs> in the right direction. Going in the yeah, exactly going the right direction. Yeah. yeah. So and then uh, we uh, a friend of mine has a captive born and bred trio, 
that I had, oh. and apparently the female is uh, putting herself through ovulation. She's just blowing up, so we don't know what that could bring. So hopefully no we'll get something going there. Yeah. That's so I'm, cool. That, I'm kind of kicking them that I let them take them from me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, so my, I, 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 mine is that uh, gold from the neck down. It's That's awesome. It's something else, man. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't necessarily like, I'm going to get one. I just saw it, and I was like, well, I guess i got to take that. I gotta have they it. Can, they, know to that. Yeah. they can be exactly. killer, and they have that variation of gold. They, they, some of them are just like everywhere. Others are like, I guess it's a gold phase. It just like it right. doesn't look like a black one yet. So, uh-huh. but they're, I love them. Their personalities are insane. But uh, yes. so, good luck with yeah. that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, you never know what you're oh, gonna yeah. get when you go in there. Sometimes the sweetheart, other times he's coming for you. Yep. So, and, oh, go ahead, Owen. Sorry. I mean, like, and, and they're and they're like, I have a uh, a big bin in their cage so that they can go inside of it, and I can just kind of move the bin and clean the cage and then put the bin back. And they're like, "What happened?" And they kind of, yeah. I don't have to touch, I don't have to touch them. Uh-huh. But every once in a while, you're moving the bin, and they're like, "Uh, I'm going to come out now." And you're like, "Oh shit!" So yeah, I mean, it uh-huh. can get get interesting quickly. Mm-hmm. Eric knows he. He was over here uh, a little bit ago, and I pulled out my male, who's not as evil as my female, but still I don't trust. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Always fun. That's fun, yeah. It's kind of flighty. Yeah, fun. Yeah. Here, here's a I'm, – I'm, I'm, see, I'm going back to berms already. So yeah. it's not, <laughs> we're, all, we're done with berms. We're on other no, stuff. No, <laughs> never. Never done with berms. <laughs> so – I, I'm looking. I just I clicked on your your Python state or Peach State Python's uh, uh, Facebook page, and I just happened to see number one that pearl that you talked about that you posted up earlier today. Holy shit! Yeah, um, I like, thank you. I like that. Thank wow. you. Okay. And then I'm looking down. Is like when they hatch out, they have more of a. It almost looks like I don't even know candy orange like. <laughs> And then they they uh, lose that if they ate. Okay, so or, which one is that orange that you're looking at? The one I posted yesterday? March a, a little farther back. Farther. Throwback Thursday, okay. ridiculous pearl. Oh, okay, there you go. Yep. Boom. Okay, good, good question. So yeah, the, so uh, I believe it was Tom Reagan who hatched the first pearl. Don't hold me to that. But when they come out, they are literally a pearl color. It's uh, okay. It's it's kind of white, shimmery. It looks pearl like whatever you would imagine uh-huh. a pearl to look like. Um, right. And then they start to add orange. Um, and then, so then you'll start to get the orange and then the yellow and then the color changes. So that one, so that one is one. Um, so when I, this is when the Lacey Act still in effect, I hatched those. And I had people uh, from all over, like, what is that? I've never seen a pearl look like that. What is going on with those pearls? And they're amazing. And I've seen, uh, I, I don't have any because I sold them, but, I get updates, pictures of them. They still look – now, they look like the pearl because the pearl's going to orange out. They don't look like that one's like, like bubblegum pink. I don't know. Um, but they, they look great. And so that's the albino green that uh, I'm waiting on the shed. She laid those two years ago. So hopefully it's something consistent with what she's throwing, just real light hypos. But, yeah, the pearls change dramatically. And, and depending on how deep you go, um, when they come out – I've got some pictures of when they first come out. It, they're a neat snake. Um, but the orange wow. orange kind of comes out and takes over and it and it fades and so um, that one hadn't fully oranged up yet is, is that a verb oranged um, yeah so it's still got that pink it's still got that pink okay. in there but yeah they the pearls wow. so any of the hypos 
they change dramatically. And so pearl is hypoalbino. Um, so they, their colors change for, for, you know, about the first year or so. Okay. Um, it just kind of, yeah, changes a little bit. So that pink eventually turns to orange. Man, I might have to get yeah. a pearl now. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Another <laughs> bin right is filled. <laughs> the, uh, the, the right pearls, man, they're amazing. Now, sometimes the orange will bleed over, but like the one I posted today, it came from the leopard. So you can see kind of that leopard pattern in it, and it also – think has that whatever's making that hypo real light it has that so that pearl it, it looks different from any other pearl i've ever seen and i had that one as well and it's a male so he'll end up going to work at the end of this year too okay wow but yeah no, right. pearls are neat pearls are real neat so Very cool when it comes to like the colors of babies versus adults i know with carpet pythons like the main complaint people have is that you know it, it they hatch ugly as sin and then they kind of grow into you know their oh, colors yeah. and stuff of that with, with with baby berms is it like is there a pretty nice color change when it comes across them as they get older or yeah so generally um i think they get better with age um that's going to depend on on the morph i would say um sometimes albinos it's tough to tell what they will look like okay know, orange they have. I, I like a real high white albino um, but but as a general rule of thumb, they get better as they age. Um, the, the colors get deeper, uh, more contrast. You'll, the blushing will increase like in a normal with those browns. Um, <clears throat> but they don't have that dramatic, you know, ball pythons are, are just insane when they come out as babies and can kind of ugly up and I guess vice versa for the carpets. Um, right. But they, they, it's just going to be pretty consistent. Uh, the hypos are going to change in color as they age, um, but that's really the only gene that's going to do it super dramatic, except for the albinos. The greens get just a deeper green. Um, and then and then as, like, the greens, because it's kind of a solid pattern for the most part, their hets, whether it's albino um, or, or whatever's influencing the color, will start to show more as it grows. Because, um, like, I had two about the same age uh, greens, and, and one had, like, a yellow hint to it, and the other one was, like, a uh, only way I can describe it is, like, a jade, um, bluish olive color to it so it's it's neat so they get better short answer they get better right (laughs) man i I, i'm gonna sound like a broken record but i'm flipping down more and it's you got one called flashback friday and it's like one of the sickest from last year's super light leopard clutch (laughs) holy shit man that thing is insane is that the super light one Yes! Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, that's that's the one that looks like the daddy. Yeah. Oh God damn! You Crazy. do not have you do not have your large snake room built yet. You do not have your large snake room built yet. Yeah, but I will in two years. I'm just gonna keep <laughs> repeating this. Oh man, Snakeboard will be in two years, man. We'll be set. Just, just yeah. Right. You know, yeah, also, so also, you have the African rocks. You have the Papua one pythons. You have yeah. the scrub pythons. You have a lot of shit, dude. Yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah, you're we're like, but there's always room. There's we always room, man. Burm burm that is true. <laughs> yeah. God. Man, you take some yeah, really that, nice that pictures, call. too, man. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, thank you. Yeah. This is, it's important, you know? Yeah. Sure oh, very get important. Get pictures out there um, so you guys see what I see. But, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, yeah, I set know. the camera to automatic, and I press the button. <laughs> but the thing is, like, <laughs> a lot of these, like you know, these aren't a lot of the, at least the pictures on the um uh on, on the uh show layout. They're not like these aren't like in a light tent 
with eight no. million things. This is like mm-hmm. I pulled open a bin and took a picture. Yeah, and for them to yeah, do that killer looking is yeah, it, it appreciate kind of speaks to the animal more than the yeah. camera. Jesus, yeah, thank you. Yeah, damn it, I want to what we're saying, Matt, is we really dig what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Keep doing that. Summation. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So Owen's got closing questions that he always likes to hit on to uh, – Damn right he know. does. <laughs> <laughs> so go for it, Owen. All right. Uh, so, Matt, if you could keep any reptile on this planet without limitations, whether it be money or law, what would you keep and why? Okay, that's good. Um, uh, I, I was really trying to think of, of an answer that, that throws you a bone and gets you excited, Owen, because we were talking so much <laughs> firm. But, um, so, <laughs> but I couldn't. I was stumped, man. Uh, I was stumped. You know, white lip was too obvious. All right, so uh, yeah. uh, it really uh, – so I'm not a very creative guy, um, and uh, when, I, when I'm visioning, right, when, I, when I'm thinking of stuff and then – fantasizing or whatever. I tend to do it in something that's tangible. I like the dream that I can reach for. So honestly, it, sadly enough, I'm going to give you a creative answer in a minute, but it really I think would be the berms. I just really enjoy them and I get excited about them. Um, I know it's kind of a, a diplomatic answer. Of course, I want to own the berms and I own them, but I can't think of anything <laughs> else. The only thing I can say that I think would be really cool is like marine iguanas would be really neat because they're really cheap. pretty in there and they're just kind of different. Um, yeah. And, and and we we threw we threw all things out the window and just switched things. We did. We that the is true. will be pretty cool. Um, yeah, you can you build know, a small and, ocean in your basement apparently. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah put some moss yeah. on some coral and let them go to yeah. town, man. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> they, they blow snot and spill out of there. Whatever, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So now, if you could go and uh, herp anywhere in the world. Where would you go, and what would you be hoping wow. to find? Okay. Um, gosh, I'm, so, I'm very boring. Um, I promise <laughs> not a stage dancer. I, I think it would be really neat to go to Florida and catch the wild berms. Oh, that's you know, you're cool. True, <laughs> you, get, you get the true wild berm. Um, and allegedly, they're, they're running rampant. I don't know. I don't know if there's any thoughts behind that. But, um, According to the news, we can hit 12 of them if we throw a rock. Right, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I know that's not, again, not a super exciting answer. Um, but I really do like, so let's say, uh, just to kind of tie that into that, I'm not BSing you guys. When I go to the aquarium, I really like the native section, like, like the, the, the ocean stuff's pretty neat, but I like the native stuff, the stuff that's living in Georgia. And and so that kind of applies to where I would go herping, you know, it'd be cool to see the king snakes that live down there, but see some real wild berms, you know, I like the normals and that's about as normal as you get. And when you say do, man. When you say the aquarium, you're talking about like you know the really really big one down there, right? Yeah, Georgia Aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wh- mm-hmm. The whale sharks are down there, or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> Forget those <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but that's awesome because no one has ever really said that they want to go herping in Florida for the invasive <laughs> there you go. before. So that's a good one. I like that. Oh, so, there we go. Yeah, I, I like that creative. one. <laughs> it worked out. So I guess the only thing left to throw out there is, Matt, h- how do people get in touch with you if they want to talk shop about berms, if they want to inquiry about some of your animals? Uh, how would they reach you? How would they follow you? Great. Awesome. Awesome. So um, 
Instagram is I'm, I'm pretty active on there. I, I like that format because um, you can just kind of look at my page and kind of get a big scan of everything that's going on. But so Instagram, it's just Peach State Pythons. Um, so if you're really getting uh, specific about, it, I guess it's the at Peach State Pythons. But you can just search Peach State Pythons. That should pop up. Um, you can message me there, comment on a picture or whatever. I'm pretty active on that. Um, and then the other would be the Facebook page, um, Peach State Pythons again. Um, <clears throat> You know, you can always reach me there, get all the notifications on my phone. Um, and then I'm Matt Bowers. Um, my profile picture is me holding the leopard. So if you want to see the leopard, look me up there. So any of those, um, I'm generally always available. Um, I generally go to bed early and wake up early. So if you message me like at 10, 1030, I may message you at 4 in the morning. So put your phone on silent. But, um, <laughs> yeah, those are the best ways to reach me. Awesome. Cool. Now, do you do, um, like, if somebody wanted to get something from you, do you do list, or is it as they're available, you just release them? Yeah, great type question. Of deal. So that's generally what I do, um, and it kind of just works out that way. It's not so much planned. So I, I really wanted to do a list uh, uh-huh. last year. You know, I was like, guys, I'll get the list ready, and, and I just got to see which one's eaten. And, and, so, and, and even when I had the clutch last year, I was having to travel back and forth to Kansas for work, so it's hard to compile the list but they were such picky eaters that it's like three would be available at a time. So that's kind right. of what I did. And it actually worked out really well. So I put up a picture, say, hey, this next available and, you know, put it a couple places and somebody buy it. So instead of having a list, um, okay. for everybody to say, send me, send me five pictures of, of each in a belly pick. You know, I just say, here's this snake. Um, right. so it just kind of depends on, on as they're available, it, will it become a list or is it just like, I got two who wants it? Um, right. so it varies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's good because then they have to pay attention to your what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta stay tuned. But yeah, and yeah. the other thing, you know, a lot of people uh, hit me up. You know, especially uh, as we're getting closer to hatch date. You know, hey, I really want an albino green. Are you going to have those? And so you can always message me and and I and I kind of if I, if you're in my mind, you know, and I have one, I may reach out and say I have this one. It's ready to go. Do you want it without posting gotcha. it? So I tend right. to show a little bit of loyalty to people who are following and who do reach out to me. Um, gotcha. But I will say too, I get a lot right now of like, how much is this? In and like the snakes are st- the eggs are still in the snake's belly. Like I don't yeah. do prices no, or anything <laughs> until I have happy, healthy eating babies. Then I'll come up with a price, um, gotcha. and then I'll make them available. So, um, but yeah, if anybody's looking for anything specific, yeah, message me, and we're gonna get a little convo going, get a little rapport, and then when they're ready, yeah, make it happen. Cool, 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 yeah. cool. Man, it's this is this has been great for me. Uh, you know, uh, thanks for coming on and uh, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed you know, it I, too. I, <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> thank, yeah, thank you for being patient with us, Owen. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if you were a, a giant Berm fan, so that's when you said that, I was that hyped me up, man. That's good. And uh, yeah. a Berm bro to another. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, man. All right. Well, uh, we'll be watching. Uh, well, I'll be watching what you got going <laughs> on and uh, see what you have hatching out. And, uh, yeah, man, welcome back anytime. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Cool appreciate stuff. it, guys. Definitely enjoyed it. And, uh, oh, and I'll keep you posted on my on my white lip. Please do. Like that. You know, I, you know I, that would be that's, – that's the one thing I want to mess with. So, it, yeah. Man. Awesome. Deal. All right, All right fellas. Definitely All right, appreciate man. it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, be good. You too. All right. Yeah, that always gets me jazzed up, man. I love the berms. You know that. <laughs> you know, you, remember, you know, you know what I think of? I remember the time yeah. that I first went to Site D. So let me, for, for anybody that's new that's listening, right? 
Right. Owen, when I had, Owen uh, had, I had, had his, his he had two spots where he had snakes, and him yep. and Chris, um, his partner at the time, were 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 he had some snakes in Chris's spot and some snakes at Owen's spot. Most of the carpets and stuff were at Owen's spot, which I would go to regularly. And, you know, it's like, okay, it's carpet pythons. It's what I got. Same thing. Blah, blah, right. blah. So one time we decided to take a road trip to go see site, what we called site B. So we go to site right. B, we roll in. Now, just to give you an overview of what was in site B. Now, before you even went into Chris's room, there was about yeah, Andrew's, say, Andrew's monitors were out there. Cages of monitors, like yeah, I mean, there was literally a cage that was taller than me. Half of it was filled oh, with, with a dirt, crock. yeah, <laughs> which was like with a crock monitor, yeah. yeah, it was insane. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then we walk into the uh, into the actual room where Chris had his stuff. He's pulling out. The, you must have had at the time what the white lips, the barnet, and white the, lips. Right? Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of white lips. Barnack. Yeah, yeah. I think we had like had... six point six of each blacks and golds. Yeah. Yeah. Full grown so, southern yeah. scrubs. Like full grown. Yep. 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 Um, yep. That was the trio of those. Yeah. Yeah. There was uh anacondas. There was actually yep. some type of monitor hatching. I don't remember which one it was. Uh Maybe the mangroves or maybe the ackies at the time. I forget what Andrew was breeding at the time. No, they weren't ackies, so they had to be okay. mangroves, I guess. They'd be they mangroves, were like then. really black, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was them. Yeah. 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 Below yep. that, below those monitors, right, Is which Nate's most people would be. Berm. It's <laughs> just Nate's berm. It's... It was a hypo berm, and I was like, this is Nate's berm. Is that? Just, that was his pet. It had nothing to do with any of the projects. It wasn't even. It wasn't mine. It wasn't Andrew's. It wasn't Chris's. It was. Yeah. It was their third roommate Nate's Burmese python, and it was the yeah. only snake he owned because he helped Andrew with all the monitor shit. And you were like, "It's amazing." I'm like, "I wanted to <laughs> smash something over your head." Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, for 20 minutes, you're like, "But this berm." I'm like, "Will you shut up about the damn berm?" Oh man, Zach was there too, and he's like, "Yo, I know, bro, I, I gotta buy bovia. you a berm." I was done. I was done with the both of you. I'm gonna leave the like, both of you there. He's like, "I'm buying you a berm for your birthday." I was like, "Oh my Jesus god, that thing is Christ. amazing!" <laughs> oh, Look at the berm. Man. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've had anyway. a you've had a ton of berms since I've known you. You've had a ton of berms. And the problem is, I think every once in a while you're just like, I want a berm, and you get it, and it's not the, it's not the one you want, and it's not the one you really, really want, and then you end up like, you know, uh, and then yeah. but these things, like, you know, you're talking about these colors and these projects and these normals and this other stuff, like, I think you're just gonna, eventually, I'm waiting for the fact where you bite in, and then you're like, all of a sudden you go from like zero berms to like twenty, and I'm like, well, there well, we go. So that's, that's sort of why I kind of like, I kind of like hold back, you know, because that can get out of hand quickly. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? What did I do? (laughs) You know, for the longest time I've always held off because, well, for one, when I used to live at my apartment, there was no way I was having berms. Like, 
you know, and then the other part was like, oh man, if I have a berm, then that's how many carpet python spots can I fit in? You know what True. I mean? So like, I'd have to to whittle down those projects and, um, you know, but now I just have one. I have a male. It's a normal yeah. head albino and head green, I think. But I don't even care about that. It's just the normal berm, and you know. I don't know. You know, I'd like to breed them to just say that I bred them because I've been fascinated with them for so long. You know, it's like one yeah. of those things like to check it off the list. But, uh, but when I, when I found uh, Matt's stuff, it was like, holy shit. I, yeah. I got to see that. That's <laughs> the problem. That's the yeah. problem. See, I, the last time I had a berm is uh, Andrew and I went and rescued one from this house. I remember uh, yeah. up by me. And it was a big old albino, and I'm yeah. sitting there, and it was in my quarantine room, and I'm sitting there with Mike Brogna, and he and I are talking, and I open the door to the berm cage, and I'm like, well, it seems kind of, and then the next thing I know, the thing's on my forearm. I'm like, oh, oh, that's not nice, and it's boiling <laughs> around, and he's like, what do we do? And I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> like, you know, and I had to, we had to go run it underwater and get it off, but I was just like, damn, so I haven't had a berm since then. So right. I'm done. I'm done with berms. You can have the berms. <laughs> yeah. I keep my horribly inbred retic, you know. That's Jesus. that's what's going to happen to me with the, uh, the Addington <sighs> Rocks. Yeah. yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd that come from? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Whoa, I didn't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> Dory. Dory. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, yeah. that's <laughs> waiting for that moment where you have to right. have her come down and help get it off you. So. They're a badass, though. They're a really cool. I do love those. You know, Andrew's a monitor guy, and he's like, if Eric ever wants to get rid of those African rocks, you call me. And I'm like, really? He says, yes. I'm like, all right. (laughs) So, you know, that's. Yeah. And they're cool looking. So. Yeah, I can't. I'm so happy that I actually tracked down a pair of them. Yeah, I know. So. um, All right. So, like I said at the beginning of the show. um, Yes. Uh, Carpet Fest is uh, June 9th, and the Southern Carpet Fest, I can't remember the date. I want to say it's the last, the first weekend in May, I want to say. They haven't really posted anything up. I mean, I know they they talked about it, but I haven't seen an actual post, so I want to say it's like, um, yeah, maybe it's May 5th, I think. Um, We'll... uh... We'll look into it and uh, see what's up. Um, and then there's the so, Southwest. Yeah, I forgot West, about that yeah. one, too. We don't know about that. that they, Riley? Yeah. We'll now wait for Riley to give us the information, and we'll pause. Waiting on April you, 28th. Riley. Oh, there it goes. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. Cool. So, April 28th, we're June 9th, and then Southern Carpet Fest has got to get in touch with us. We can start putting that stuff out there. So, yeah. Brandon Wheeler's house in San Diego. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, I'm going to try my best to make it to the Northeast Carpet Fest. I don't know. I might be busy. So. You dick. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the people how you really feel. Jesus. <laughs> um. I, uh, I'm trying to see if it's possible, if we can arrange, uh, maybe a herping trip or something on that Sunday, um, or maybe the Friday or Thursday before carpet fest. Um, I know, uh, 
people are I, I, I pretty much I think we're booked up. So my house is booked up unless you want to sleep on the porch or on <laughs> the, the ground back. outside. You never you don't want to go to bed. Um, just sit by the fire. <laughs> you can do that too. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much solid here. Um, between you, Rob, Chris, Nick. I don't. Uh, yeah. All right, Bill. I don't have any more rooms. <laughs> so. Well, I, I, for one, can't wait to see what project, like, I, I, like you know, you have Rob and Chris build. It's either going to be those swings around the fire pit, or I'm going to come in and, like, they're going to be building, like, a deck, and I'll be like, damn. It's like, you know, that's, like, I'm waiting to see what projects you have for them. So, yeah, you know, they're I might delay my, my new, arrival my so I don't have to help. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, again, I'm going to try to figure out what you guys are doing because I might delay my arrival depending on what you're making them do. So I might be busy. So, yeah. (laughs) I don't think uh, there's any projects this year. I think we're, we're pretty solid. So we'll see. If you got them, use them, find a project. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, uh, what else do I have? So yeah, it will be uh, June 9th. Um, cool. You know, obviously we want to know if you're coming. Um, the cool thing is, as I was telling Owen before the show started, is I'm going to have some really cool carpet pythons patching out. Yeah. Um, so you can see some cool stuff. And um, my collection has grown uh, since last <laughs> time with uh, a lot of different species um, of pythons. So uh, yeah. It'll be cool if you're into that. I think this year, though, I'm probably going to do maybe like two tours of my snake room, and that's it. So you're yeah. coming in that yeah. tour, and that's it, you know, because I didn't get to enjoy uh, – not that Anything. I didn't enjoy showing people my snakes, but, you know, it's – it's. Well, we, 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 delayed the, <laughs> we delayed the auction because you were in the snake room. We, we delayed this. We delayed that. So, I mean, like, I, I, I think – maybe two or three tours of the snake room. Totally fine. You know, plus this is also the second year. So a lot of people that maybe have already, you know, been there, like, you know, who came last year, uh, maybe won't want to go to the snake. Like, I don't need to tour your snake room, dude. I, I know what you got. I've been there yeah. numerous times. So, yeah. you know, yeah. There's always that one magic thing that, uh, you know, <laughs> you're like, yes, oh, it's always like I, the I theme of carpet that. fest. <laughs> What is it? What will right. it be this year? <clears throat> so, but, uh, yeah, it's always a good time, man. And, um, you know, I can't believe this is the seventh year that we're doing this. So, holy shit. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was Ugh. like, wow, that was a long pause. <laughs> I'm allowed seven, to pause. Seven, seven I'm years con- of my I'm life. Constipl- I'm contemplating what that. Where did I go wrong? <laughs> Poor Pasto, and if only I could warn him. If I, I never should have answered that ad. Never should have answered that <laughs> damn ad. God. Uh, be so happy with, but, like, eight coastals at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, next week, uh, we have kind of a different type of show. Um, All right. So I was listening to Corrales Radio, and uh, uh-huh. there was a one was uh, Joshua Parker and they were talking about um, Candoya and uh, stuff like that which was which was which was awesome but I guess about midway he started talking about snake 
snake digestion. And okay. I thought, man, that was a topic that you never heard anybody talk about. So I reached out to Joshua and uh, asked him if, because uh, he's a herpetologist. So I asked him if he would be interested in coming on and talking about that, and uh, he agreed. So next week, that's what we're going to be talking about, snake digestion. So like a lot of the things that you'll hear people talk about, should you feed two prey items? Uh, how long does it take to digest? Uh, you know, I was interested to see if he knew anything about why white lips cough up fur balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> like just things like that. Mind. It's like, yeah, all right. I like this already. Right. So um, it's going to be a little bit nerdier than uh, what we're used to, but uh, I right. think uh, I think it will be uh, will be a good show. I mean, yeah, not ner- nerdier. You know, it's not. I mean, I'm this breed, is a reptile and... podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure we're pretty freaking nerdy already. That's so, true. That is true. Thank you. True. Yeah, let's just turn into the spin. But. Yeah, and also I'll give a post Tinley uh, recap. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That should be. Uh... Oh wait, Brandon what? said, "Let them know to bring a tent if they're coming to Southwest Carpet Fest." Okay. I guess you're sleeping outside. All right. <laughs> yeah, you know you could right, technically well, bring a tent to my house too. Why I not? Mean, if you yeah, want, I don't want to do that. I always you think could. you could bring a tent to my house. It's just you'd be sleeping on in an incline. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's wrap it up and let's roll out. So, um, Sweet. you know, it was real quick last week, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, you know the Seinfeld episode where they're driving the car. And they're seeing how long they can drive without having to get gas. They're running out of gas and they won't stop it. Yeah. Was that you and Rob? We're just going to see how far you guys could go without quitting. Well, wait. Okay. Blog talk went, so we're at the three hour mark, right? Uh And we tell Tim like, Hey Tim, it's going to cut off at any point. Yeah. Just so you know, blah, blah, blah. He says his info, he jumps off and me and Rob are on there and we're chatting and it went into, five minutes over the three hour mark. What? And it actually recorded. <laughs> I was like, what? How, My what's God. going on, Rob? What's what going on? Like, <laughs> so yeah, last, last week was three hours and five minutes or something like that. What so. the hell? Yeah. I thought it was weird, man. I don't know. It's like a blog. Talk, that is weird. Uh, That's mix up. I don't, the horrible glitch that probably ruined somebody else's podcast that we don't know about, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. All right. So for us, our website is moreliapythonradio.com. Our email is info at moreliapythonradio.com. Uh, anything that uh, you are um, interested in getting in touch with us uh, would be through there. Um, if you want to, if you're, you know, for carpet fest, we always have you guys bring stuff, some type of food, whatever. Get in touch with me and Owen. Uh, I guess Owen will be in charge of food, and I'll be in charge yeah. of the auction list. So uh, if you know what you're bringing, tell Owen. If you want to get yeah. in on the uh, the auction, uh, send tell it to Eric. me, and uh, we'll get that together. Um, right. So you can send it message on Facebook or that email. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah. Uh, as far as myself, ebmorelia.com, you can see uh, a lot of people are asking me about what pairings and stuff like that and want to see what's going on. I have a breeding diary over on my website. 
Um, uh, just go to Breeding Diaries and click 2018. You'll see everything that I got going on. Um, my email is eric at ebmorelia.com. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram too. Um, and that's about it. I should have babies hatching out here real soon. So uh, if you're looking for something in, you know, in particular, I guess reach out to me and uh, I will keep a list <laughs> um, <laughs> just because <laughs> this year I'm going to have to sell snakes. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh yeah. No oh my it. God. Yes. So uh, year. yeah. This is a strange one. So um, tons of stuff uh, from crosses to pure stuff uh, that people might be interested in. Um, so check it out. Um, yep. And for people that care, I don't know if they do, but I know <laughs> I got some messages about YouTube. I will start doing that again. I just have not done it because of my work schedule. So um Hopefully we'll get back on that. And the last thing I would say is um, for anybody that wants to know about all the pictures and stuff that we talked about and everything, um, I will at the end of this podcast on the Morelia Python radio blog uh, will be the, um, the links we talked about and all the pictures we talked about. So you can go check it out there. I found that I can't concentrate when I'm constantly putting pictures in the chat and I get distracted <laughs> too easy. <laughs> So it's much That's easier. That's when we get those long of silence. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you yeah, can right. just go over and check it out and everything that we talked about and, you know, uh, the link to Peach State Pythons will be in there as well. So uh, there you go. Yeah, the show notes will be someplace to check out. And those will be up there forever. So if you're listening on a backlog show and you want to check out the show notes, you just look them up there. Yep. Cool. All right, uh, for me, you guys can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Check out all the stuff we got going on there. Uh, you can also go and look up Rogue Reptiles on facebook.com. Give us a like and get all the news on Rogue. Uh, for right now, the next show I have is I will be vending the Oaks, Pennsylvania Reptile Show on the 30th, 31st. It's at the end of the month. Uh, we'll let you know when we get close to that. Uh, and I will be attending the Tinley park show this Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday. So, uh, if you need me to bring out any animals, now's the time to talk to me because I'm going to be kind of running around here like a maniac in the next day or two to get out there. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's all I got and I hope to see everybody at either one of those shows. Come say hi and all the stuff. I promise I'm not an a-hole promised, you know, (laughs) contrary to, Contrary to popular belief, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, so uh, what I will say is uh, that's all we have for you guys tonight. Uh, so we'll say thank you for listening. And we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Moradia Python Radio. Good night.